When you started the Goat Parade years ago, 2015, yeah. 2015, and you had me on as a guest, right? One of your questions, I think it was a recurring question as well, right? Yeah. For your guest was, "What is the greatest Radiohead ballad?" It was well, it was ridiculous because it was, "What is your favorite Radiohead song?" You get to answer three times, <laughs> and it was, was with, ballad one of them. Yeah, it was like that the was banger like one, mid mid tempo, and then ballad. And guess what get, I said? What'd you say? I said life in a glass house. As ballad? That's as my, a ballad to as you? My, yes, that's a ballad. That, that how is is that, so, in what world is that a ballad? It's a swingy, slow, sultry, not sultry voice like you, a different type of sultry tune. At a low BPM, at a low tempo, I, that, how is that not a ballad, I think? I mean, is it more sounds like a drunken orgy is about to slowly start. What's wrong with that's that? That's not a ballad. That's a it's a ballad. It's no, a ballad. It's a bunch of horns doing whatever they want. I'm glad we're already arguing before we've even really I'm coming around on Life in the Glass House. Taylor of guest on the pod. He we're, used to always I'm, give me shit. I'm going to have to cite Taylor Brown a couple of times. Today. Yeah, and there's going to be friends cited because this is the definitive Radiohead <sighs> episode of the Go Parade. Can you believe it? I can't believe it's here. This isn't happening. This is not happening. I'm this not here. This isn't happening. Um, this is a total waste of time. You know a what Radiohead this, podcast. You know what this is? It's a fucking trap. It's a trap <laughs> that you set for me to walk into. I did. So I got some you, names for it. You know, you always have names. Oh, for them. dude, I've got some they're, names too. They're bad. I can't. I can't. I didn't come up with anything. Let, good. Let's see. Let's like, go ahead. Throw just some. trying to throw pod into radiohead lyrics. And okay. Doesn't doesn't work. Let's do I, it. A moon shaped pod. Oh my god, that's incredible. What are you talking about? <laughs> Don't this, disservice. I yourself. started with a good one. You know, um, a pod in a cage on antibiotics. Wow, that's really cut good. the pod in half. No, that's bad. No, that one's a bad. goat parade watering can. <laughs> 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 These are great, dude. That's pretty much all I got. Uh, do you want a couple of my titles? Yeah, yeah. You got anything um, good? And again, this is the... Go ahead and tell the listener again what, what we're doing today. This is the definitive Radiohead album ranking podcast. Okay, so AKA talk show roast, <laughs> because you know we're going to be roasting each other a little <laughs> yeah. bit. AKA... That's good. I don't know. I, think I... I might be wrong, but I'm definitely not. <laughs> I could have sworn. I uh, could have sworn. Um, AKA... Merely a vessel only to praise thinking about you. Damn uh, it. Stop talking. About, he's tra- been texting me all week about thinking about you. Track three on Pablo. Uh, it's honey. actually track five on Pablo. Well, honey, who cares? Uh, which was their 1993 debut for those listening who are, I guess, if you're not, not if you don't know that much, then you should probably you just should jump stop, off. Stop because, right now. So yeah. For those who are listening, we're going to have to, I think, keep telling the listener what we're talking about. Radiohead. Radiohead, obviously. <laughs> but Life in a Glass House is the closing track to the greatest album ever recorded by ooh, any band in the history. Oh, pump okay, the okay, whoa, 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 okay, sorry, well, That reminds sorry. me. You know, I didn't want to get into this yet, but did you bring a sampler? No. You didn't. That's a bummer. Because I did, if you see. I know. I, I see it. You're 404. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if, you, if we do agree on things, which we will. A lot, you know. You think? You think there will be things that we'll agree on? Maybe, maybe two out of ten. Okay. Hell yeah, we're gonna rock out to the first solo in Paranoid Android performed in Nijmegen, Netherlands, on September sixteenth, two thousand. You know what I'm talking about? Fuck yeah! 
Yeah. Dude, that's hot. Okay, so that's when we agree on yeah. something. But if you'd piss me off and you and like things you just said when I wanted Please to tell me breaks. it's a snippet of thinking about you. <laughs> no, even worse. It's from a song called Give It Up from when they were called On a Friday. Oh, of from course. From their early demos. Yeah. And it's bad. Let so me if you it. piss me off, okay. you're going to get the. That's really bad. Yeah, you don't want to give me any of these. Dude, they sound like a wedding band. Yeah, what is that? Okay, so for the listener, too, let's talk about On a Friday. Um, they started as On a Friday, right. but then when they signed their six album deal to EMI, the label requested that they change their name. It's for the best. It definitely. is. Oh, my God. I mean, Radiohead still, like Radiohead now, as we know them being such devout fans, we maybe couldn't think of any other name for them. Right. It's but perfect. it's still a pretty bad name. Yeah. I mean, I mean when you, you know where the name came from, too. From a Talking Heads song. From a Talking Heads song, which also proves why Talking Heads is one of the greatest fucking groups of all time. And that was... <laughs> you disagree? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm my not God. You a give it up. I'm not the hugest <laughs> fan, but that didn't deserve a give it up. I'm sorry. Radiohead was a song title off of a Talking Heads record named True Stories, which was a soundtrack. Now, in, in that song, was it two words? Was it Radiohead? Or was two it one? words. Yeah. yeah, it was two words. And that was from a record called True Stories, which was just a soundtrack uh, to score David Byrne's directorial debut. There's a movie oh, okay. called True Stories, which is fucking well, that sounds, great. That sounds Starring very John Goodman. It's awesome. Wow, really? Yeah, it's, it's a great film. See, I'm learning stuff on the Radiohead on podcast. On the Radiohead too. podcast. The definitive Radiohead album rating fight yes. arena of gladiators. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Go Parade.
The new intro music sounds oddly familiar, but yeah, really well done on that (laughs) new composition. You know what they say, if life gives you lemons, suck on them. Yes. Yeah. They taught us that. Yeah. (laughs) 20 years ago, it's the 20th anniversary of Kid A. Wow. And we are here doing the definitive album. Doesn't that make you feel old? It makes me think maybe I shouldn't still be talking about kid a so much uh, right yeah or that, listening to it as it's much starting as starting to sound like I Ooh, grandpa yeah it's like i mean is- this is gonna be one of those things god forbid we ever have grandchildren um you know we're gonna like grandparents now talking about like oh frank sinatra and elvis <laughs> like we're gonna be like kids you gotta listen to kid a <laughs> they're like their fourth album yeah no right. thanks <laughs> <laughs> wow uh, I cannot believe it's 20 years old. I know. And, it's uh, crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, that song, Everything in the Right Place, I mean, I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like everybody can kind of remember hearing that one for the first absolutely. time. Absolutely. So what are what are our early memories of, of Radiohead and our entrance into oh. the kingdom of fans? Oh, just in general. Okay, just in gotcha. general. Well, uh, Kid A... I'll tell it, you, uh, my first introduction to radiohead was talk show host on the okay. movie romeo how plus old are you that was when was that movie 1995 96 probably 96 so i was yeah. like 11 gotcha so i heard that thought it was odd didn't really pursue him then i heard karma police on now one as in the now that's what i call yes. music franchise karma police was on now <laughs> was on one. now one wow and i liked it enough to buy okay computer at ranch records and bend at the same time, I bought Dashboard Confessionals, the places you have come, come to, to fear the most. most. Wow. Okay. So, so one of those aged like a fine wine. The other one I broke on, out of my disman when I was skateboarding in college. I think they both aged perfectly. <laughs> you know how big... 
<laughs> you know what, dude? You're a big Dashboard fan, too, yeah, and you can't hide okay. it. Yeah, no, Even I'm, though we're going to get severe saying, amounts of street cred from this episode, we still cannot go back on ourselves. No, of course, of course. But compared to what OK Computer did as Absolutely far as... Absolutely not. You know. And then I went back to Pablo, and I was like, huh, that's not... It was good. And <laughs> Not at all. And then, yeah, that's uh, after that, I believe, is when I heard Kid A. So... I w- I feel like when I when I was reminiscing about everything, I feel like I was a little late to the game. I was mm-hmm. 13 years old. Um, of course, I had heard Creep. Right. Everyone had heard Creep. I hadn't even heard anything from OK at that point. Um, I had an older sister who had pretty decent music taste mm-hmm. at that juncture in my life. But as soon as I turned 13, I went to a Best Buy to get the self-titled Gorillaz record, which yeah. came out in March of 2001. Okay. My birthday's so it's the, almost 20 years old, too. It, it is, <clears throat> which we'll, maybe we'll have to do a Gorillaz episode because of that, because self-titled's incredible. But I digress. As soon as I turned 13, because of obviously I was so obsessed with Clint Eastwood and everyone was at that time, I made my mother take me to a Best Buy so I could get the Gorillaz self-titled record. I had heard Optimistic on the radio. Really? And I had heard Creep and nothing in between. I had That's only, such an interesting... It is really strange. I had only heard Creep and I had only heard Optimistic. So I liked Optimistic so much because I misheard the chorus. I thought he was saying, as opposed to, you can try the best you can. Mm-hmm. I thought he, Tom York was singing, you can try to bust a cap. <laughs> you can try to bust a cap. You can try to bust a cap. And I thought to myself, wow, how edgy. But when I took home Kid A, obviously, I had, again, only heard Creep and Optimistic. I put it on and I heard everything, which we mm. just listened to. And I thought, okay, I was 13. At that time, I was had a huge array of shit I was listening to. I was listening to like the used self-titled. Oh, right, and yeah. like, You're just you like, know, I'll take anything. Absolutely. I was, I, was, I was a sponge in that regard. Right. And I heard everything and I'm like, okay, this is cool. This really isn't my thing, but this is cool. And then I hit track two, uh, which is the title track. Uh-huh. And I, I, I stopped it. <laughs> Because I couldn't understand at that time, my tiny thirteen-year-old brain. At no, that I moment. think they they, and and I've talked to another person we're going to bring up on the spot a lot, Ben Haywood. Of course, that's why that's his main argument for why Kid A is not his favorite album in the canon, and that's because Kid A de- he he thinks it kind of derails it, or it's not it's not a strong track two. He says, which you know, I come back and say that. Kid A is beyond track order and sounds pretentious, but yeah, no, no, you're right. It is. Um, I also Kid A is one of now. Uh, in, in, in retrospect, thinking about that moment at 13, like what the fuck is this robot doing, <laughs> singing about heads on sticks? You're like this drum pattern um, is doesn't really settle into a, into a groove for me. <laughs> um, I now find it kind of irritating. Now that's one of my favorite Radiohead songs of all time. Oh yeah, it's a beautiful odd collage it's incredible yeah Uh, but at that age it was too much for me so from there i went back see you're so well rewarded when you get through kid a by the national anthem yeah you know it's like you did this you know delayed gratification is something that radiohead does well then you hit idiot tech yeah i know if you've got if you got that far again another cookie you know it takes a second to get to those payoffs yeah to where earlier Radiohead records again we're wow are, are we jumping the gun here or are we is this no, just I think, like I think a we're starting with Kid A because it's okay. the 20 year anniversary right. 
and then and then we'll get into more you know let's let's have you take the talking stick for a second here and really get into since this is your trap to yeah. make me look like a dumbass <laughs> um no it's a celebration it is a celebration things. of kid a because right. we yeah i mean we just love radiohead right we do love we do. Radiohead. <laughs> hey yeah fuck yeah all right <laughs> that's good every time <laughs> Um, so yeah, Stephen Hyden, he's a writer right. that uh, I, I follow and I really enjoy. He's, he's putting a out a Rolling book. Stone. Yes, he does a lot, lot of contributing to all sorts of online publications, actual publications. I follow him on Twitter. He has, he's got great lists. He's a great writer. Um, he's putting out a book this week for the twentieth anniversary of Kid A called "This Isn't Happening," and it's kind of an oral history of um, Radiohead and and not just Kid A, but the year 2000, right. late 2000. Yeah. Which was a crazy time to be putting out a record, too, at right. the turn of the century. Yeah, know? it's... Um, it's it just, came out October 15th, as far as I recall. Am I right on that? I think it's I think it was October 1st or 2nd. Oh, it was early October. Yeah, okay. it was the first Friday of October. I can't remember if it was the first or second. But the opening of his book, and I'm just going to read a little passage here, if you don't mind. Please do. Um, he's talking about Tom had... Two fateful mental breakdowns in late 97 at the end of the OK Computer Tour, or during it. Um, and this was the first one, the soundcheck one. So the first one occurs just one month after his 30th birthday, in the midst of the most professionally momentous year of his life. Spontaneously decides to ditch the band's security and exit the arena without informing anyone of his whereabouts. Huh. If only leaving Radiohead and everything it had come to represent in York's exhausted mind were that easy. <laughs> When it comes to being an escape artist, York is a hopeless amateur. A man who has spent the past several years inside the bubble of rock's biggest bands must learn how to disappear completely. But for now, the effort is what matters. His life is at a breaking point, and he's seeking the right metaphor to express his anguish. You can try the best you can. The best you can is good enough. After wandering around the arena for a while, fruitlessly searching for an exit door, he finally makes it out in the street. He sees the train nearby, and he decides to hop on board. Maybe disappearing completely won't be so hard after all. He's a rock star, but not that famous yet. Radiohead's third album, OK Computer, has been out for five months and will be promoted with singles through the following spring. While the LP is a significant commercial and critical hit, the expectation is that the next Radiohead record will finally complete their transformation into the new U2, similar how Joshua Tree turned young U2 into U2. And this trajectory, OK Computer, is merely the unforgettable fire. Grander triumphs loom on the horizon, and that's basically the conventional wisdom in the industry at any rate. But for now, Tom York hasn't been fully bonofied yet. Radio it is still in its pre-imperial period, popular enough to whip thousands of people into a frenzy while torches are lit aflame in the distance, a la U2's under Blood Red Sky era in the early 80s, but not truly massive in the stadium rock sense. <laughs> and yet, on that train, the chances that Tom York won't be recognized are close to nil. He is traveling in the vicinity of a rock show, his rock show, not long before showtime. Who does he expect to be riding a train at that hour? <laughs> he has not thought that far ahead. Before long, he realizes he is surrounded by Radiohead fans. All he can do is hide as the train whisks him back to the place he just tried to escape from. He has found his metaphor for fame, a closed loop of omnipresent discomfort perpetual awkwardness and inescapable impotency. Wow. That also gives a lot of credit to the the documentary that was put out about OK Computer meeting people yes. is easy. Love that. You can see 
the the mental breakdown that's that on the time. horizon. Exactly. That's that time. Yeah. Meeting people is easy is is around exactly that time. So yeah, after that, he goes in a hole of writing. They they spend a shitload of money on studio time all right. over Europe because yeah. you know they did OK Computer in Jane Seymour's mansion. Really? So, yeah. So they think maybe the setting is the magic, right? right yeah. So they start recording. We still think that as musicians, right, of course, too, you, which is because, why we spend way too much money on studio but time. But you want to have that, like, experience, and right. you think it's going to come out of that. And a lot of, and, you know, there's a lot of history in which it does. So they waste all this money in these studios, and the only song they have so far is this song called Lost at Sea that's, like, left over from uh, OK Computer, and it ends up being in limbo, which gotcha. is such an odd song to have first in Kid A. In the can, you know, because it's, it's like, where odd, do you? It's an odd. Where do you it's go? an odd starting point. It's, it's like yeah. the deepest cut in right. the album, absolutely. Besides maybe Tree Fingers. Tree Fingers is pretty deep. Oh, yeah, man. I love to get stoned and too, walk around man. listening me to me some yeah. Tree Fingers. Me too, man. <laughs> but anyway, so Tom bought because at this time you have to buy records. Still, it's this is right before Napster. Right, Kid A came out like seconds before the music industry just collapsed. Um. He bought pretty much everything, everything in the back catalog of Warp Records, and got really. He just decided guitars make him depressed, right? Which makes sense as far as the combatants against the fame and popularity that he was achieving. Right, on one of the largest he just, he, I mean, guitar rock records of all time. He didn't want to become the next U two, and also in that time, I don't between OK Computer and Kid A, those three years were insane as far as musical development. Pop right. music was more prevalent. Um, Coldplay came out. Yeah. Uh, Nigel produced the, that Travis record. And Tom heard that record, and he's like, I don't want to become yeah. just this you know, U2-esque you know, piano ballad band no. that's writing off... And, you know, Which they, they would come to do quite a these bit. These bands were inspired by OK Computer, right? But they were just watering it down. And you know, he's apparently Ed O'Brien in the studio is getting frustrated and being like, "Let's just out Travis, Travis." You know? Yeah. Let's just make beautiful, you know, fake plastic trees high and dry. Let's do that shit, and let's just make great songs. And Tom's losing his mind. He's like, "I'm not fucking just doing that." And that's a very Ed O'Brien thing to say. <laughs> it seems that way, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know him, but I feel like I, 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 after this list, is all stuff I've read. From after listening to his latest solo release, I can comfortably say that that is a bullshit Ed O'Brien thing to say. <laughs> Have you listened to that no. record? It's really, really bad. Really? Oh, yeah. oh what is it? Uh, EOB? EOB. Just straight EOB. And he said he was influenced. <laughs> no, we agree on that. So why uh -oh. don't you? Yeah. Fuck yeah, baby. Here it comes. Got it. That'll never get old. Yeah. I can't. I, I like agreeing with you. I might change my list just to agree with you. That was more. the ultimate thing. Okay. I was trying All to right. Cool. Yeah. Great. Good yeah. job. Um, but I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought. No, no, no. I, I don't even know where I was going. Just just what I've read about the origins of everything in these years. And, and Tom York got really isolated with the piano. At this point, he wasn't even very good at the piano. I mean, a lot of the piano playing, even on OK Computer, was done by Johnny. Yeah. So he was just, he wrote everything. I think it was the second song for Kid A. Um, and the Korg Chaos had just come out, which this is, this makes God, this, I love the Chaos Pad. This, or at least I used to love right. the Chaos Pad before bands nothing like makes, Muse ruined nothing it. Nothing makes Kid A feel older than, than talking the fact about that the, chaos, the pad. chaos Pad was new. Korg, uh, you know, a, a digital technology you know music company put out this thing called the chaos pad 
and it had a bunch of different effects and loops, but yeah, you set could on like modif- an axis right. that you could touch. You could modify these effects in real time with a touchpad by dragging the parameters. Which is what you're hearing in the beginning of, of, of everything, everything in its right place right, where Tom's exactly. vocals are being manipulated by Johnny. Right. And that song really is just Tom and Johnny. Yeah. And that was the discussion, I believe. That's Kid A is when the discussion happened where it's like, look, you, the other three of you are in the band, and sometimes your best contri- contributions are He's you doing guys nothing. not contributing. Yeah, for sure. Do you, have you read anything about um, frictious... Uh, kind of egotistical back and forth between people like Phil Selway, the drummer, or Ed O'Brien, Not, the mean, auxiliary guy. You know, they're so private yeah. know, as a band, but I'm sure the turmoil is well-contained because yeah. they're a very mature band, and they always come out with an, an unforgettable product. So, you know, like no matter it doesn't where, they, matter. Yeah. where they're starting, but where their ending point is is so important, which is like, why we were talking about like you mean radio. where I end and you begin? Oh, oh shit! This is gonna hell yeah, fuck yeah, yeah, baby. I think I'm gonna like I'm gonna lip the drum roll every time you do that yeah. too. I'm doing the you know. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Well, um, let's get into a couple. But did you want to say more about the chaos pad? I feel like I do. No, you. no. I just think the chaos. It got kind of posery, right? It did because people heard Kid A and they're like, "Holy fuck, what is this?" And it became yeah. a very popular DJ tool as it well. It was. I, I remember it was on like every D- home studios DJ. It was. rack for a while because they came out with a mini one, a more affordable one. Again, like, I think what really ruined it for people is when fucking douche boy from Muse put it, put it in, in his, his guitar. guitar, like he installed. Like it's just. I Although mean, that honestly, was kind though, of innovative it, for the time. It was the bass player who put it in there for that one song, and that was kind of tight. What song are you talking <laughs> Madness, about? Madness, where he's like, oh, yeah. uh-huh. boom, 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 because he didn't even touch a string. That bass player really annoyed me. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm this odd muse defender. You are. And no, like, you're, you're, a mu- you're a muse apologist. Not if for you everything. I just really liked... They're like first three albums, and I kind of like that song we're talking yeah. about. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Speaking of Muse on the Radiohead uh, definitive album right. ranking podcast, when that first big single came out, the Time is Running Out or whatever the fuck it's called. Right. You hate that So song. <laughs> So many people thought it was Radiohead. Thought it was Radiohead. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember at parties in high school, I had the one friend who would always put on Muse and wait till somebody said, is, is this, this Radiohead? Radiohead? And he's like, no, it's actually a band called Muse. They're like... Even better. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my ah, God. Kind of nah, like that part in High Fidelity nah, when he puts on the stiff little fingers track and they're like, is this a new Green Day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So let's get into a couple little categories. I'm following our... your lead, Daddy. This is your trap. Let's so. start with let's start with this one here. What 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 do you think the best album opener? On a Radiohead uh, of all the Radiohead, the nine Radiohead studio albums. What is your favorite <sighs> opener? It's okay. So first of all, just for the listener, I'm going to be talking to you guys a lot because Cam isn't going to spare any of his breath in trying to explain anything. Cam, this is Cam's opus. This episode, <laughs> just so you know, and I've I just have been always wanting to just talk about me too. Radiohead for this hours without being interrupted. No, this or is somebody fantastic. Being like, well, you guys stop talking about Radiohead. This is it. I can do it, and it, nobody can tell me to stop talking about Radiohead. Judgmental, baby. We, this is the this is the trust tree of understanding, yeah. and um, so Cam, 
obviously has been thinking about this for a while. I have too. The rankings are things that we have constantly in our mind because they're changing from day to day because Radiohead is also very much a mood piece, especially since a lot of these records have been with us since they came out or have been with us through very uh, through great epochs in our lives. So Cam wanted to split this up a little bit by doing a couple of sub lists, yeah, if you will. Just a couple of a little, little faves here and there before we faves get to here the, and there, but the actual list of many. Your, your lists are impossible except worst song. Like I knew what it, exactly what I was right. going to pick for worst song, but which is not thinking about you, by the way, because that might like be the best song. We'll see about that. Um, but I can't just pick one best track one. So I did a top three. No, okay. Now this is funny because I think we're going to align. This you is think? Great. I think no, so. I don't think we're going to align on this one. I think you're going to be surprised. And for the record, before we even get fucking started on any of this, I'm an am- amnesiac fan for life. I'm obviously a Kid A guy. Yeah, for sure. So we're brothers, but we're we're not... We're not identical twins. No, you but, came out a year later and you're the B-size. Okay, we're going to have to save that argument for later <clears throat> because I've got some stuff, some right. highly factual quotables to back oh, me up good. on how Amnesiac quotables. is not a B-sides album to Kid A. Yeah. All you Kid Beers out there, prepare to be fucking slain. Okay, we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. Okay, so anyways, best track one, side one, best opener. Number three, I'm going to go ahead and say Pack Like Sardines in a crushed tin box. Oh my, okay, yeah. Because it's That's an incredible good, opener. Heck of a song. Number two, Planet Telex oh, yeah. off of Ben's is one fuck of a way to start a record. But my number one, which it, this, took, this took quite a bit of deduction mm-hmm. um i'm gonna say airbag on okay computer wow okay you're not wrong on any of those well well you see that's the thing like it's hard to be wrong in this list too in this say, whole episode i wrote this little thing about planet telex if you don't mind please just, wait uh, is that your is that your opener um one of them i also okay. but basically i was just just thinking about this i was just from the opening progression of Planet Telex, you already know something new and special has happened. Completely. I'm referring to after Pablo Honey, you know, when you, when you first heard Planet Telex. Mm-hmm. The chords satisfyingly circle around a B major with a scene-stealing tremolo wildly oscillating. Oh. Johnny Greenwood is coming alive. Not to be outdone, his fucking brother kicks in with a total finger bang. Fucking Ooh. so nasty. Tom is then given entry like a red carpet rolled out for a once-in-a-generation act to truly begin it's it's so true and especially i mean uh, i wasn't i mean i was alive when bins came out but i wasn't a fan when bins came out because i was too young at that point but if i had listened to pablo and then put on bins when it came out i would have had brain plasma all over the walls of the (laughs) listening such a different such a such a heightened sense of maturity and absolutely songmanship yeah um, so my best opener is six way tie between the first six albums. <laughs> that's a that's a beautiful answer, including you. I mean, Pablo Honey is not their best no. album by a long shot, but, but you God is a damn, great song. you is still you a hell is of a, really a way to. Song, most yeah. bands never get an opener as no. good as you, so I'll take it. And that's also a thing that's going to be a recurring you, thing. Planet Telex, oh, yeah. Airbag, everything in its right place. Pack like sardines, two plus two equals five. Yeah, don't make me choose. Well. Don't make yeah. me choose. This is the most subjective thing that you and I are going to do all week, by the way. Like objectivity when speaking about this is so difficult because it's hard. 
even though we're going to call each other wrong quite a bit mm-hmm. during this, it's hard to be wrong here, right? right? Because it's it's more preference, and and, and again, dude, like even driving well, over here yeah. today, you're your, right. Your preference is, is good because because we agreed on it. Of if course. you would have said fifteen step, I would have been like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right because there are there okay there are quote unquote wrong answers maybe but it's hard Bloom to... Thank you. See? No <laughs> wait, we agree on that. Give it give oh, me hell yeah. yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, so the openers here. Yeah, sorry, you were driving over here. I keep derailing you. I'm no, no, excited. no, it's okay. I'm excited too. Uh, I was driving over here and I was changing my mind. I'm still changing my mind about my definitive studio album ranking list, literally as we're speaking right now, mm-hmm. because it is something. It doesn't doesn't play to your confidence about your choices. No, so. dude, I'm super confident. I'm confident today. I'm I can't saying. speak for tomorrow or yesterday, though. Right. No, I get that to a certain degree. I feel that about right. different parts of this. No, list. but I I know for a fact my number one, and I know my least favorite three. There's a brick in the middle where I'm a little confused. I wouldn't be terribly mad if you tied some of those up if you had to. I might have to, but also I want the listener to know all y'all listening out there. Cam is the one who's going to be super aggressive today. I come in peace, brother. I come in peace. I just think that you're that I'm wrong, wrong to the point where you might be antagonizing. <laughs> Listen, I might be wrong, but I'm definitely not. Well, I could have sworn. <laughs> Sorry, you keep talking in lyrics. That's going to happen a lot too. That is going to happen a lot. Um, another another little guy here. Let's uh, let's do favorite B side that is not. Talk show host. Okay, I had that's to do hard. That. I know, I know. You had to. I do had that. to do because otherwise we would have just both brought in talk show for hosts, sure. Obviously, I. I mean, talk show host might even be one of my favorite and top five favorite Radiohead songs. Yeah. Uh, Although I didn't include it on our anything bass today. In Guam, Heather Haywood. That's yeah. her favorite song. Period. Period. I don't blame her. Yeah, it has. No, it, I'm it like, also, I get that. It also has almost everything that a Radiohead song should have. The only thing it's missing is a really ripping Johnny solo. Which you get if you see it live. Yeah, of course. So, yes. like, uh, makes it even better. Uh, what is your favorite B-side? Uh, I almost tied these up because I really love Killer Cars. I love, yeah, I like Cars their their Ben's era B-sides because it's like it's like forgotten rock songs that are better rock songs than, than most rock bands most, have ever. Yeah, right. But my, on the same same era, my favorite B-side of theirs is Lewis Mistreated. Of the pain, and 
myself a pain Mistreated is incredible. I love that fucking song. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's off the My Iron Lungs single release? Yes. Okay, cool. Is. And I just, I, I think it's one of the best 90s sounding rock songs, yeah. better than most bands did it. And it's got that cool ass progression. And yeah. I mean, it's just, I still put it on all the time. I wish I had that My Iron Lung vinyl because I want to. That would be cool. And you know they're going to be doing a lot of reissues yeah. sooner or later of all that. I pick something in the same vein. I'm going to go with Lull wow, off of okay. the Karma Police single release Lull's, in 1997. Yeah. And that, that came back out when uh, they did the 20th anniversary the okay, of, not okay. of OK Computer three years ago. OK, not OK. Right. Which people were hoping they might do a Kid A, not Kid A or type thing. that has Kid B? Okay. You mean Amnesiac? Well, that's the thing. You put the B-sides on and it's just Amnesiac. No, it's not. <laughs> we'll get to that. Oh, I'm phone at the fucking mouth. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and make an admission here, and this is what I texted you about yesterday and subsequently had a FaceTime call with you about. Because I feel so grandpa-ish, mm-hmm. so senile when it comes to most technological things these days, such as even streaming. Um, I'm a really bad Spotify listener. I'm bad yeah. at streaming. Um I've grown up with these records and listened to all of the studio albums by purchasing them, but like purchasing CDs, you know what I mean? So I have missed so much and I feel like an imposter right now. And as I was talking to you yesterday, and this is where you really get to lay it on thick, I'm I'm giving you the opportunity. I'm volleying this ball to you to spike Mm -hmm. into my face of... There are so many B-sides that I hadn't heard before. But again, um, what I was telling you is that is okay. It's that is not, fine. I don't feel okay about it, to be completely because, honest with like you. like I was saying to you, I mean, Radiohead chooses their studio albums so methodically. Very, you know, yes, uh, very that, deliberately. That, that, yeah. yeah, that the B-sides are B-sides for a reason. Yeah, You sure. can hear it. I mean, there's some great ones here and there, Lowell. Like, there's a lot from OK Computer. For, uh, yeah, yeah. The, and the Benz, as you were saying. And the Benz, yeah. I mean... There's less on the newer stuff. I mean, Comlag is not one of my favorite releases. I like 
sitcom lag, but only because it has a song with a better version that I don't like on Hail to the Thief. Just the a lot I, of, the oh, I Will Los I will. Angeles version is right. kind of redemptive to me. Well, I'm just going to swing it right there because um, it just seems like a perfect place to swing it. For Radiohead, worst song. That is my pick. I will. I will. So we're all right. So now we're doing worse songs. I guess you just okay. you just put it there. I might as well take that. Can uh, I didn't pick that for my worst song, but I agree with you. So can you go ahead and give me some fucking paranoid Android, oh! please? Sir? Thank you. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Go ahead and explain it because that is a thorn in my side. I love Hail to the Thief. Me it's, too. And every time I Well comes on, I'm perpetually bummed so out. So bummed out. I'm yes. like, this is barely a song. And how dare you do that after they're there? For sure. Like it's so much you've built this Energy album has to been this built. point. And then you just kind of did this cop out. And, and it, it boggles my mind because they're not at all known for songs like that. You know it's, why it's they super put... short. It's basically an interlude. Usually if it, they have an interlude, it's instrumental. It's just doesn't make any sense. You know why they put that on hail, right? Why? Because they had tried to record that multiple times before. They they started trying to track I Will during the OK Computer sessions. Okay, so they it's one of those that they've yes. been like mangling They weren't happy forever. about it in OK. I mean, so, sometimes that turns into a masterpiece. Like sometimes. Nude, nude right. on In For Rainbows sure. Absolutely. has been around since OK Computer. They spent all this. Same with Reckoner. Right. And they're both perfect songs. Yeah. So sometimes it works out, but I Will sounds like the worst version it had. How is that the best? How is that the best? <laughs> Especially since they tried it during the Kid A Amnesiac sessions as well. Wow. I did not um, know that. So they've, they had tried that twice before and then finally settled on Hail to the Thief, but the Hail to the Thief recording process was much different than all of their other processes when it comes to their studio albums. And we'll get into that when we get to the the, the ranking list. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested because I don't know as much about that. I feel like they put I Will on because they finally just wanted to have a fucking home for it. And Hail to the Thief was kind of a strange record for them anyways, especially after Kid A. So they probably thought, and I'm I mean, a I fan of were, this. They were embracing the opposite of for brevity. Sure. Right. They, were yes. like, they were like, let's let's let this album breathe and have, but it was a mistake. It was a mistake. <laughs> and, and it definitely You're, knocks a couple I, points I on the list. I agree with you so hard on that. And when we get to Hail, I will give you my slim down Hail to the Thief. I can't wait because you and Taylor Brown and I have actually discussed a revisited track listing in the I, I have it I've, I've worked it and i like it i'm really excited about it so what is your least favorite okay Radiohead well song? this is Worst my Radiohead this is my least favorite still obviously a good song which is go going back to when i said it's hard to be wrong in this shit um because I, I don't want to shit on anything. Like, I don't even want to shit on the Drill EP or thinking about you, like, too sincerely. Yeah, I mean, it's better than most artists will ever It be. is, yeah. And there's still songs I actually listen to. Except it's this one. Yeah. Let's just review this again. Dude, that... Oh. What's that? Dog, that sounds like a beach band at Venice <laughs> Beach. Like, that sounds really bad. Like, maybe Santa Cruz. <laughs> So much more embarrassing. Okay, my worst song is Bloom. 
track one oh, side one wow. off of the King of Limbs. And let me tell you why. This is Bloom is maybe the most apparent attempt at uniqueness. This song sounds like an overreaching, <laughs> exaggerated parody of how a newcomer would hear some of their more complex material for their first time. It's like a critical outsider's viewpoint on how intricate a rhythm they strive for, or an explanation to prove that the mission statement of progressing the boundaries of genre might have slipped a bit far on this one. It really, like if SNL was to do a Radiohead skit, or if this was, you, you know the the parody videos that they have on right. YouTube? What's it called? Shreds? Like oh, I if, love shreds. I love shreds, too. There's a great 15-step shreds. Um, but if, like, when I listen to this song, when I, when I put on The King of Limbs and I hear Bloom, I'm like, this is the most ridiculous shreds I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. I, for some reason, and this has always been the way with Bloom, even when I've seen it live, I'm like, oh, yeah, pay attention because uh, you still haven't really, like, fully enveloped this song right and then it's over and i'm like i forgot to pay attention yeah because that's <laughs> what the song induces in all you. i remember from it is boom boom doom boom doom and i think that's the end and that's probably my favorite part it just seems like it seems like uh well, you the, know what it is it's because they added that second drummer for limbs totally yeah and they decided that they really had to show that off in some way the portis head drummer correct yeah. if i'm not mistaken uh, yeah. Not Jeff Barrow, but uh, no, he other. wasn't the drum. He did the same lot of drum sampling, but the Portishead live drummer they added to the group. Yeah, right. Um, I just I can't do it. I I, I it's yeah. like I still like the song, and if it comes on, I, I I obviously won't kick it out of bed. But when I hear that, it's I like, mean, what was great about doing this list is you and me both got to re-listen to all these radio absolutely, records. and I did I did a couple listens on all of them. Me too, and um. Limbs, limbs is a, was an interesting one to revisit, but Bloom, Bloom still doesn't stick out to me in any way whatsoever. No, so there are was, better tracks on Limbs. Limbs is not my favorite record, which we'll discuss when we get mm. to this list. But um, there are still tracks on Limbs that I find redemptive. Bloom is not one of them, and quite in fact, I'd rather listen to a lot of their uh, substandard B sides that were fucking album over tossers over Bloom. Yeah. Now I know Ben Haywood is shitting bricks oh, right now absolutely. because he's got King, King of Limbs at like number two or something. We're shit. gonna have to go over his list, Ben. If you're listening, which I know you are, I'm sorry, buddy, but you're also a very brave person, and we want to thank you for sending us your list. But you are going to get dragged through the mud a little bit. I'm yes. sorry. We, we sent we asked all our Patreon members to send us their list. How many people responded? Only Ben did because they're probably like, oh my God, these dorks are going to talk about Radiohead for two hours. I'm so sorry, guys. If I thought we had lost our momentum after me picking the sex list, the iPod scuffle list last oh, time, this one. is really going to alienate I was surprised us. how much I enjoyed that. <laughs> we have favorite Johnny Greenwood guitar, guitar pedal, yeah. which is fun. Let's do that. All right, you go first. Um, this is this is gonna. Wow, this is the dorkiest okay. one. This I, is I had to include one. this, and obviously Johnny people, Greenwood is who I pray course. to at night. It, obviously, is, I mean, there, if you do not have a shrine to him in some way, okay, this is a difficult one for me because I love everything on his rig, obviously, and I also did a top three for this one too because it's nice. important. To I me. want to talk about all three of these. Uh, 
I'm going to start with number three then. Okay. You know what? I'm actually not even going to start with number three. Can I Can I do a side note here? Sure. The sixth the member of Radiohead. Okay, maybe the seventh member of Radiohead, if we're counting their longtime producer, Nigel Godrich, as a sixth member. The I count seven. You do? Yeah, I, I, the seven piece to me. Stanley Donwood is just Stanley Donwood. You're right. The, the artist. Yeah. The radio, you, okay. So let's he's say he's been there since Ben. So you know, you're right. So is Nigel, and he's incredible. So let's say the eighth member of Radiohead. Okay. Then. And this is a shout out to the eighth member of Radiohead, and it's called the Owned Martino. Yes. The yes. French let's instrument that Johnny Greenwood uses I'm that wearing, is theremin like. Um, has been used on almost every single record since OK Computer. I believe right. OK Computer is when the obsession started for Johnny yeah. Greenwood. In this, it's instrument. most present on Where I End and You Begin on on Hell to the. Thief. It is. It's actually, but they use it on quite a bit. But stringing. he still he'll bring that one live if. If oh, you yeah. see it on stage, they're mm -hmm. probably going to play where I ended. For sure. Again. Well, what they did, I think, is a studio trick with this instrument. Again, it's called the Onde Martinot. Uh, it's French, so if I'm that's butchering that, I, I please call, fuck I've me always up. called it the Onde des Martinet, but I, I, that's probably way off. I, I, we're, both of us are probably wrong. Um, again, it's a theremin-like waiver that's uh, that's act or activated by moving a ring along a wire. So th those of you who are familiar with the theremin, um, it, where you use hand motion um, to affect pitch and tonality, this can it's a keyboard, but you also affect the sound by putting your finger in the ring and moving it up and down this string to now the ring. Pitch. Because I thought it was like a slider underneath the the keyboard like notes themselves, but it, it's like a ring that you put. Your I finger? think it might be a pitch shifter. So mm. if you're, uh, if obviously if you're waiting on a key, you you move the ring up and down the string to affect the pitch. I do believe the ring can be used independently from the keyboard though. So you don't even have to press on the keyboard I don't itself. Think, no, I think it just starts so with a flat basically just signal. A yeah, just exactly. A right. And this instrument is used almost across the board uh, in the records. And it is usually, if it's not a prominent feature on a song, it's laid in layers over or under a lot of Tom York's kind of gooey, like, ooh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. harmonies that he's doing behind his vocal right so that's always been used as like an extra layer too and and i, f I believe johnny using this instrument kind of brought it out of almost near extinction i feel like it was i can imagine really old, i had never like seen it before until i saw him playing it yeah i, I think don't know the, i remember hearing about how odd it was that somebody was using one of those very things. odd and they use obviously like johnny greenwood is known for using as much as he can the patchboard synthesizers mm -hmm. a lot of that analog stuff yeah. but this one in particular has always held a really special place in my heart especially on records always, like kid a and hail to the Thief. i've always thought it's funnier the more you see radiohead um ed o'brien's side of the stage like <laughs> i just <laughs> like during like sound checks you know right he's like you guys think maybe I can like turn myself up a little bit as far? And like Johnny's over there He's with, still setting with up. an orchestra being like, what? No, absolutely not. <laughs> you need to shut oh, the hell up. <laughs> poor Ed O'Brien is like, hey guys, can you hear my Ebo? <laughs> it's like, dude, nobody turned your Ebo on. Can we call him Ebo Brian? <laughs> 
And just okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna have to digress again because we're in this gear talk right now. Oh, for, for those who aren't familiar, an Ebo is supposed to it's a it's is it's a rapid light sensor yeah. that has the effect it vibrates the string and has the effect as if you are bowing something across a string. Yeah, I mean no hate on Ebos. They're no, amazing. I love Ebos, yeah. but Ed O'Brien Old Ebo Brian <laughs> uses that thing like it's going out of style or like it owes him money. I mean, I've been in a band before where you notice yourself playing a lot of Ebo, which what's basically happening is they're like, we don't really need you mu- much right. anymore. Doug, I have you, used an Ebo on bass, which is not the coolest thing anymore. That actually sounds pretty cool. I'm it's pretty that. sick. I did, just didn't want to toot my horn over it. I'm a yeah. genius. But <laughs> uh, um, Okay, moving back into Johnny Greenwood's pedal Yeah, what board. else you got? Uh, my number three is obviously maybe one of the most important things and should have been number one, but the Roland RE201 Space Echo head unit. Of course. It is maybe the most... The highest... To give Ed O'Brien credit, they both have one of those. Of course. And I believe Ed O'Brien manipulating his is the ending of Karma Police, that that, that washout of the song. Quickly, while we're talking about old Ebo, Brian, <laughs> a lot of people don't give him the credit he deserves. I know. I feel like I'm always being a jerk he, to Ed no, O'Brien. No, no. Obviously, he's fantastic. I, he's, he's The whole band's fantastic. That solo record he just put out, we could have done without. But um, <laughs> he does... He does more than what people give him credit for. Yeah. A lot of people instantaneously think a lot of the ethereal backing I mean, track his stuff, voice sounds just like Tom's it does. When, when he does harmony. He actually deserves credit for most of the vocal backing tracks in the studio, mm-hmm. uh, minus York's, obviously, which we were just talking about. But also a lot of the ethereal kind of orchestrated stuff that wasn't actually done with strings or from Johnny's weird fucked up mind belongs to Ed O'Brien. A lot of the spacey kind of delay echoey stuff actually comes from him. Right. Like especially on Ben's and OK Computer, old Ed O'Brien, Ebo Brian had a lot to do with those fucking records. Oh yeah, Ebo um, Brian solo in Planet Telex. Boom down 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 it's, down down. It's down. great. Boom down 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 down. So although, <laughs> although Johnny gets most of the love, Ed O'Brien should not be shat on. No, no, of course. Not at all. But as far as Johnny gear we're talking yeah what else you got um my number two which is it still amazes me that this is his primary distortion even to this day the marshall shred master dude i love but it's like a one he uses is a weird one it's a weird no yeah it's not the usual shred master no because i'm thinking of the jackhammer you know the shred master you never see that you never see it but the marshall shred master is such a fucking I mean, that's what you get as a stocking stuffer. Again, when your dad goes to Guitar Center, like walks in, is like, "Hey, my son's a punk ass kid, and yeah, he wants he to needs play a rock. rock and roll." Pedal. They give you a Marshall Shredmaster or like a Boss SD One, right. which is another pedal that he uses, the Super Overdrive by Boss, which usually is just such a, a typical thing. Yeah, and he to has use. the DS One too, right? Yeah, <laughs> which is so weird, but. Again, I digress. We're talking way too much about gear. What are we, already at an hour? We've already been talking yeah, but, for an hour. I mean, you did three pedals instead of okay, one. Okay, I'm sorry. My favorite one, which was most prominently used on the bins, the Digitech Whammy WH1. The first one. The, the first the one. The black Whammy. And a lot of people have used Whammies very popularly, especially like Tom I had Morello. one for a while. Yeah, I've had a Whammy too. Now, 
using a whammy. The red one, though, it's just like hmm. no. So a wham, like a whammy, appropriately used. Again, that was all over the bins. You can't listen to a single song in the bins without hearing a whammy on it. Right. And a lot of his solos are conducted by either like the third octave pitch shift or the dive bomb right. effect just, on the just whammy. Just has a ton of the just has so much. Right. Um. But he used it so perfectly, especially on that record. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone else has used it in such a regard. Again, no, yeah, like, it's done. Like, Tom Morello so well. was like really popular it's, with it. It's so well done that you just, it's over. You can't keep doing it. The that. only other person I've heard use a whammy that I've, it, in such a way that I felt was innovative was Jack White on those early White Stripes right. records. Yeah. Because he would break into those solos, and as a two-piece, he had to fucking, like... Yeah. He really had to beef up those solos with a lot That's of That's more out shifts. of uh, necessity. Exactly. Yeah. But he used it right, and so did Johnny, because he uses everything right, even a Korg Chaos pad. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just that he gets to use it first. Exactly. And then everybody wants to be him, like yeah. me, <laughs> for example. <laughs> Yes. All right. Let's. Since you're a gearhead and a Johnny Greenwood obsessive, this yeah. answer better blow me out of the fucking water. Definitely. I mean, there's so much to choose from, obviously, but the thing he's used that's always blown my mind the most is the Mutronics mutator. Oh, dude, the Mutronics is insane. I thought about that for a long time. I just didn't know where to put that in my life. Give give the listener a little bit about the Mutronics. Well, they as as they say the the Mutator is a stereo analog filter and envelope follower with full control facilities. Now, you're asking yourself, what does that mean? What does that I mean, don't Cam? No. But <laughs> it's dual, I know that, and you run shit through it and it's it's basically a synthesizer oscillator that just throws a bunch of LFOs through your signal and warps it all crazy sound. Yeah. So what you hear at the end of like the solo on Paranoid Android, the second solo, is him, he recorded the solo, sent the recorded solo through it, and then apparently through it, like just so it got the sound of the, the mutator, and then ran it through it again and messed with all the knobs while he did it. So he was reamping when he was yeah, going back to the pedal. Yeah, he double reamped through the Mutronics mutator to get that sound of that solo God, at the so end of incredible. Paranoid Android. Um, and he's, it, you, and a lot of artists, it's like a little weird secret piece of gear. Yeah. Um, do you I remember, have one? No. I remember when I first heard about it, I was looking it up online and they were about 800 to a thousand dollars. Dear Lord. And I was like, damn, well that's out of my price range, especially back then. And now I looked it up today. They're three grand. They go oh for three grand. Oh my God. But there is a plugin. They made oh, a plug cool. for yeah. Is it coveted specifically because of Greenwood's use? Yes, but also Bex used it. Oh, gotcha. Daft Punk's used it. Okay, cool. So yeah, it's 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 just kind of been a, a like a industry secret around that kind of art band. Is it a vintage piece of gear that is no longer being made? That's probably what drove up the price. I can yeah. only imagine. But I mean, the plugin is like 150 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. Which isn't too bad if it. I don't know how well it works, but. That's just cool that there is a plugin of it. Can we go ahead and say that you're going to be purchasing that plugin for your next giant waste of man record that you're about to record? Oh, I'll have to bring it up. That Come would be on. nice to have. You know Ben is listening right now and he's totally for it. Oh, well, I, it just doesn't sound that cool to me. He's like, hey, you know that sound Johnny Greenwood got on Paranoid Android? I bought well, a plugin. I got bro. a plugin. <laughs> so sick. And I put it on this 
my new project. Also, I did this really banging cover of track five off of Pablo Honey. It's called (laughs) Thinking About You and might be one of the greatest tunes, man. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's get into the best song. Our favorite Radiohead. Our number one song. Okay, all right. Do you want me to go first? Yes, I do. Okay, my favorite Radiohead song. Wait, is there a six-way tie? Is there? Did, no, did you no, do it? You no. just you settled on one. No, I, I know. I, I I would know the order. I mean, you know, what's crazy is I know your favorite Radiohead song. I I, I think I mentioned it. On, I've mentioned it on the earlier pod. You mentioned it on an earlier pod, and actually, every time I see you, you bring it. Up. <laughs> I, Even with I, things I that just, are so <laughs> non sequitur, it's like. Oh, yeah, man, Cam, I'm hungry. Can we wait 10 minutes before we start? Hey, you know my favorite yeah. Radiohead song is blank, right? <laughs> that does happen a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, whenever you bring that up, it does remind me that There There is the best There Radiohead There song. is, and okay, this could be a problematic pick because it was a single, which makes you look like a fucking poser. Mm. It does, it does. Mm. I'm going to go ahead and be right yeah. about that. Uh, I wish I would have brought a sampler today, too, so we could have warring samplers. Yeah, Don't you I do it. Mentioned- Don't press it. Don't you fucking press it. Uh, see, you should have brought a sampler. I should have brought a sampler. <laughs> um, it's also off of a record that will never be, unfortunately, in the number one slot, even though there is an alternate universe where it could be. I just, I, you see, I don't think that matters okay. because of how good the song is. It is an incredible song. Can we talk about your love for There There? Because right. I love There There so much. So let's- To me, There There is the culmination of everything that Radiohead did right up to that point. It's the hilltop. It's the crest it is. to right. me. Um, everything they learned between OK Computer and Kid A, all the rock music they absorbed in the bends. Completely. All the rhythm they learned from Amnesiac and just all just comes together in this song that is almost like a, a pulsing jungle version of Paranoid Android. It really is. You're right. And that busts into my absolute favorite Johnny Greenwood solo and the best it's an incredible the solo. best part yeah. of their live show. I will I will gamble that that is the best part of a Radiohead show. Yeah, is that part of there there the lights all change. The drugs kick in. Yeah. Everybody goes nuts. You cannot contain the energy yeah. that's coming from that stage. I just think it's point. peak Radiohead. And, and and honestly, with I Well being the song that <laughs> proceeds after they're there, it's really, to me, the peak of Radiohead. And since then, they've gone downhill. I mean, and Rainbows is a great album. But it is, yeah. it's, to me, it's nothing compared to that that height that they had up to they're there. <laughs> I think what you're talking about, too, as far as um, Kid A and Amnesiac being right before Hail to the Thief and that record being a true culmination of so many different influences and Mm -hmm. their whole journey at large. So tough because they had done all the electronic on Kid A and Amnesiac. They had done all the rock on the Benz and OK Computer and everybody's like, what are you guys going to do next? And they're like, we're kind of going to combine the two. Exactly. But like, we're also not committing to that in any fashion. So. There, there's the only one. Well, a couple of them feel like they did it right, and there, there is definitely definitely the one, one of those songs. That you know like what, man? Go ahead and hit the agree button. Yeah. Go ahead. Yes. Also, how quizzical that your favorite Radiohead song and your least favorite Radiohead song are right next to each other. I yeah, I noticed that. How interesting. Huh. Right? Well, that's what I'm saying. Peaks and valleys, man. For sure. But also, Radiohead are known 
for kind of those one line mantras lyrically yeah. in their song. And I think just because you feel it doesn't mean it's there it's incredible. is maybe their best one. God, that gives me shivers. I've experienced so much shivering today already. Oh, yeah. Talking about now, Radiohead makes yeah, me shiver. But yeah, that song is just a beautiful Also, too, haunting. live, when you see Ed O'Brien go to those ox toms, you know what's oh, about dude, to yeah. happen, which jo- is incredible. I love how extra Johnny Greenwood is because in that song, for the first half, they, all three of them, Johnny, Ed, and Phil, play drums, yeah. right? So Ed gets his snare in, in Tom, and so does Johnny. But Johnny plays with two drumsticks in each hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it's, it's punk. I don't oh, know. so punk. Um, um, that's well, one hell of a pick, dude. Yeah. I'm glad you went there, and I'm glad it was off of Hale. I'll defend it to, to my death. Yeah, and you should because... Especially for people like you and I who, I mean, we're not the same age. You're late 30s. I'm early 30s. (laughs) I just turned 35. But the fact. Right in the middle. I'm directly in the middle. Happy birthday. I'm not going to sing to you again. But um, uh, Hale is such a special record to both you and I uh, and to people in our age bracket that I know as well. Right. um, Because of those things that you just cited. So for you to pick something off of Hale is near and dear to my heart because that's a record that deserves maybe even more credit than it's gotten yeah even even you know, so though like you we said save it like you said there there is a single there there to me doesn't matter that it's on hail right like it's just the best radiohead song it stands alone yeah definitely what's your favorite radiohead song okay so i'm not gonna give you i I actually did a top five and this was hard for me i'm not gonna go through the explanations of each one because we need to get into this list yeah number five go to sleep because go to sleep is the same thing as they're there for you as it is to me that combination of everything perfect up until that point number four idiotech because you uh, what in what in what a journey yeah um number three i might be wrong because the attitude and edge in that song Mm -hmm. with the mixing choices in it Mm -hmm. especially with johnny's drop d just repetitive riff every time i I do that's how i find if i'm in that's how i find if i'm in drop d too (laughs) oh my god this is incredible uh number two you're gonna fucking look at me like you don't want to be friends i don't know because two of those would be in my top five too uh you're, this is not in your top five. I don't actually think my number one is would be in your top five either. Number two is videotape for me right. because you know, you know my problems with videotape. I know. I'm I I'm do. I'm like after my release, I've I've come to terms with them and I've made peace with them. But the live experience I got a videotape was it's, so unforgettable. It's hard when the live experience of a group within a song is so much better than the recorded version. And now Almost, I think that it's probably not better. But right. it's just what I saw I fell in love with. Kind of like like spinning plates mm. off of Amnesiac. A lot of people don't like the, the recorded version of that tune, but the live version where it's just York and a piano is incredible. It's beautiful.
Fuck yes. Um, my number one song is Exit Music for a Film. Wait, what'd you put for number two? Videotape. Oh, right. Okay. Exit number music. one is Exit Music because Beautiful. it ha- minus a rip in Johnny Greenwood solo, it has everything that I want out of Radiohead. It's my perfect tempo. It's incredibly mm-hmm. dramatic. The build is unmatchable yeah I, um and if someone like i know some gen z people who are like who's radiohead which is both depressing um and infuriating um but if i was to introduce a younger person into radiohead for the first time if i was going to give them their first taste i might play exit music yeah. and that was kind of my gauge for picking the number one song or Talk my Talk about a good song. drum fill coming in. Uh, it's incredible. Yes. Everyone and the sub bass in that, everyone kind of has a moment to shine minus Greenwood, even though he's doing no, a lot of background doing, he's stuff. He's doing all those strings and stuff and yeah. all that. Ugh. Of course, when I saw him playing that song, you know, he's like, he's got his, the neck of his guitar on the keyboard. Yeah. Playing, like, he's doing all sorts he's of stuff. Doing Don't you worry about him. Yeah, no, he, J- Johnny's fine. <laughs> he's keeping himself busy. Smoke up, Johnny. <laughs> wow, that was a fun little uh, introduction uh, where we did kind of Excellent agree on music for a film, huh? Yeah. I mean, I, since you got your top five in there, I feel like... Go ahead, you know, please. I should, I should probably, because I do know. You know it yeah, off the, it off the, like the back it would of your be, It would be, I might be wrong, five. Idiotech four. Okay. Uh, para- Holy shit. Paranoid Android three. Uh, fake plastic trees number two. Wow. And then of course they're there. Fake plastic trees. I realized is my second favorite Radiohead song by doing these re-listening. Right. That song's incredibly powerful. When I was reading a little bit about OK Computer, I came across a York quote that. Uh, said that fake plastic trees he came home fucking blitzed one night and Mm -hmm. really sad and he sat down and he started writing fake plastic trees about the green plastic watering can and it was just this drunk kind of joke like this whole thing started as a joke and then the rest of the band was like tom that's beautiful we have to work that out i think every every artist like him get like once in a career uh, guitar chords they're like given to them right and i that, think that's that his was, song yes like, it was divine when you learn that song guitar you're like no way these were all just here for the taking and right. it's just and he got how the chords are formulated on fake plastic trees and that's why that's all he does is just repeats them over and over yeah. you know and i also think it's to me that song is johnny's first score for sure you know Completely. like that's the first time that johnny becomes like a cinematic musician yes okay dude we've had too much fun it's time to get into the part where we might not like each other it's all the that definitive much. album listing the listomania for today is the best radiohead albums one through nine let's hit that nine listomania. through one let's hit it right now so we're gonna ping pong it we're going to go nine to one. Okay. Back and forth, and we'll argue as we need to. Okay. That's perfect. I, I don't think there's a better way to do it. There's not. We could do it chronologically, but then that would be a great reveal. And yeah. for when we hit the number one prematurely, and maybe we shouldn't do that. But I want you to start it off since this is, again, your opportunity to get some punk points for all the listeners out there and to shame me publicly i want you to go ahead before i start i did send it 
the Patreon members asking them, asking if any of them have their Radiohead list. Only and Ben Haywood. Of course, Ben. So let, let's go ahead and go over what a wrong list looks yeah, like. Yeah, no, that's a great idea because you sent me Ben's list and it's the most wrong thing I've ever seen. I've seen wronger, but th- but there's problems here. There are so problems. So he, he says nine to one. Pob- or Let's just go one to nine. Okay. It's less confusing. Best to worst. Okay, computer. Kid A. In rainbows. The Ben's. Moonshaped pool. What? King of limbs. Oh my god. Amnesiac. Hail to the thief. And then Pablo Honey. Um, okay, well. <laughs> Hold on. Let me we can just prove on. <laughs> let me say something here. If I was at a radio wild list. If I was at a radiohead show and I was looking to buy some drugs. Right. And us and someone walked up to me <laughs> with that list, they'd also have new balances on. And a Van Halen shirt, and like they would be Nike a narc, monarchs. and they'd be a fucking narc. And yeah. he would probably say, "Hey, dude, Limbs is totally number five or six. You want to buy some Mary Jane?" We like, no way, that is swag, brother. <laughs> and you're a cop, uh, yeah. And you're a fucking <laughs> cop, cop, dude. Uh, I'm sorry. Did you say Ben's at number four on yeah. that list? You know what that is? What He's is that? too ashamed to put it at number two. So he put it at number four. The old flipperoo. The old flipperoo. <laughs> that old Ben's flipperoo. Uh, should we call him Ben's Haywood oh, from Ben's now on? Oh, Ben's Haywood and Ebo Ebo Brian. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ben, thanks for letting us poke fun at you. No, yeah. Um, like, we like love I, you very thank much. Thank you for sending that in. There is no such thing as a wrong list, but that is a wrong list. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's, that's a super All right. wrong list. Okay. Nine to nine. Uh, let's, let's see if we even start at a point where we're not arguing so how should we do this should i let you say your piece and then me Mm -hmm. jump in or should i be like fuck you yeah just Uh, yeah like that okay let's go toe to toe so the worst radiohead album okay is pablo honey i disagree but oh my god i want to i want to hear what come on i I know listen dude i completely understand the the, the pablo conundrum Now but, you're trying to get attention. No, I'm not. Do you want to go? At, uh, should we? When we're Pablo doing Pablo Honey to me. Okay. Yeah. Give me your not, explanation. Is it, it? It's a continuation of yeah. on a Friday. Okay, you're right. You're uh, right. To me, I mean, they hadn't found their producer. They hadn't found their sixth man, Nigel Godrich yet. Right. They haven't found their art direction, Stanley Donwood, so, which was all found during the bends, which makes it to me in a lot of ways the real debut of Radiohead. But Pablo Honey. While I like songs like you, I think Creep is a fine song. Creep is a fine it's song. It's a better rock hit than most 90s it is, artists hits. Although they were kind of dragged through the mud over it because it was such an apparent like grunge ripoff Right, thing. and it actually even directly though, hit, ripped off the Hollies. And even though it did, right? It. Yeah, and even though it would go on to inspire Pixies, Nirvana, right. so many groups to try different things... It was still touted as this, like, I don't know, lazy approach to right. grunge music. Absolutely. And, and you, you kind of feel that. It, it feels out of place. I mean, the song's a loner song. You it know? is, yeah. And I think it works for what it is. I mean, Stop Whispering is okay. Stop Whispering is a good song. Uh, anyone, any, can anyone can play guitar. Is but, fantastic. But the, there's all these ways, in, even in Pablo Honey, that they maybe could have gone. And I'm so glad they didn't do any of them. Right. <laughs> Yeah, Even no, anyone right. could play guitar. It's a great song, but if they permanently went that way, it'd be MTV Beach House. You know what I would have been yeah. fine with? An entire career of thinking God about you. God damn it. <laughs> thinking about you is the greatest Radiohead song of all time. Okay. I mean, I feel like the B-sides of Pablo, the, the, or the B-side right. is pretty much 
forgettable. I mean, I'm going to talk about Pablo Honey in a second, and I'm going to open up <clears throat> the gates for you to talk about what I think is probably your number eight. So let me start. Okay. My least favorite Radiohead record, if you haven't picked up on it by now, especially after all the shit talking on Bloom, track one, side one, is The King of Limbs, mm-hmm. which was their 2011 record. That was their eighth studio record. And I want to say something before I get into this. <clears throat> These ratings are unfair because from day one of whenever we entered into listenership, we have been conditioned to expect great transformations between records. How unfair is that? It is. Because they have pushed the envelope so much between records, we have been thinking, fuck, I wonder what they're going to do next. Right. Or like, it's exhausting. Are, it's got to be exhausting. It is. Are they going to return to form or are they going to do something new? Like, And there are two p- types of people, the people who want Radiohead to return to the bins and the people who want Radiohead to never return to the, the rock records of yesteryear. Mm-hmm. But... In an ultimate declaration, this record is an outlier in the catalog because of how immature it plays back in contrast to the other albums. It contains a multitude of the essential elements that comprise their specific individuality, but simply pales, possibly in a regurgitative manner, to the innovation preceding it, which Mm. is both a necessary awareness and, again, a terribly unfair one. Right. it's okay. a very bass prominent record. It is. Which, I, I used to call it the Colin Greenwood album. And that should have me hook lying and singer, especially like the 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 middle eight ascension at two seventeen in Morning Mr. Magpie. Mm. Like that should be enough to sell me on that record. Or like odd odd that I'm an amnesiac fan. But I'm not more invested in the sporadic drumming looping on most of these tunes, like something like Feral. Yeah, Feral like, doesn't seem necessary on an already. No, but very as an amnesiac fan, I should be fucking all over Feral. But that's almost what it seems like they are thinking. Yeah, and they're not you're right. nailing right. And on that note, I want to say like it contains snippets of the past, meaning like. Lotus Flower would have sounded cool on Hail, or Codex yeah. would have sounded great on Kid A, for or me, Feral Co- on Amnesiac, and Codex so on. Codex is so beautiful, but and for if it was a song by some new British band, you'd right. be like, this is amazing, I want to yeah. hear it. But sadly, you're talking about a band that's already had Pyramid Song, How to yeah, Disappear exactly. Completely, right. Karma Police, I mean, all these exit music, all these beautiful ballads, so Codex just kind of gets thrown in the mix. Yes. I think for me, when Limbs came out, I had grown a tolerance to everything that they did on that record because they had done everything before. Like, again, each song is almost like a window into their previous seven records at that point. Right, but it's kind of a muddy window. My main problem with Limbs, and just to expose, that's my number eight. That's your number eight. eight, And I imagine your eight is Pablo. My eight is Pablo. So, yeah, we can talk about this. Um, My main problem with King of Limbs is the production. Yeah. Um, Especially after I saw... Very odd mixing choices. Very odd. And I I get that it's like an artsy choice mostly throughout. For sure. But when I, you know, I saw the Nigels from the basement sessions and just the songs were so much more alive on that. Yeah. 
And even I saw him live in 2012, right after this album came out. And Morning Mr. Mr. Magpie exploded. It yeah. was so amazing. And I'm like, what's with this tiny, tinny something? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It was, and also, and this is so I weird. I get it. It's an artistic choice, but. And vocals have always been prominent with Radiohead. Right. But they were even more prominent, oh, yeah. it seems like, on Lynn. And, you know, songs like Giving Up the Ghost, I saw him play on a solo tour the year before when he was touring on eraser stuff right yeah. before it was Adams for peace and it felt like a tom york solo solo song and even on king of limbs it still feels like a tom york solo song definitely a lot of well maybe not so much pool there's a few things on pool that sound pretty tom york solo to me because he had right. already branched out to me pool has more johnny greenwood me solo. too yes absolutely um but you're right the king of limbs does sound like a tom york solo record yeah, and, and I was kind of getting sick of that. I, I love the Eraser. I like the Eraser better Eraser's than, than King of Limbs. Me too. Yeah. Um, I, I was kind of getting sick of that sound already. Me too. Well, it's like, Tom, we love you. Please put down the fucking drum machine for a second. <laughs> you still have not learned how to use it. Right. <laughs> right. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, again, as you said, if the King of Limbs had been released by any other band at any other time, it might be the best record of all time yeah but it's nowhere near that in their discography my go-to i I put a go-to track on each one of these two Mm -hmm. my go-to is little by little little by little little by little fucking rad song it's my favorite song on that for a long time yeah i I think i've transitioned more into separator i love yes i love the way separator ends that album um i think it's the best part of it (laughs) yeah I'm just like, the oh, ending. man, I wanted more of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, since you're, yeah, you're right. My eight is Pablo. And I just want to say it was a 1993 release. Obviously, their debut to people who are not familiar with Radiohead. But again, if you're not familiar with Radiohead, I can't believe you're still listening and you should stop. That seems crazy. Um, there is nothing about Pablo, though, that isn't completely necessary to the foundation of what would end up making the greatest band in the history of historical documentation. I mean, of course, what we're dealing with here is a product of the time, coupled with some intellectually edgy lads fresh out of Abingdon School, which is the school they met at. Yeah, <clears throat> it was a it was an all boys school. Right. Um, which we were getting into with which a, Johnny. A, Johnny didn't go to. They all went to. Gotcha. Yeah, Johnny joined right after high school. Copy Johnny's that. never had a job besides Radiohead. No shit. In his life, he went from high school to begging. His brother, if he could be in on a Friday, and they were like, "Sure," and that was pretty much when they were starting. He had to beg Colin to be a part of the band. Yeah, that's incredible. It was his older brother's band. I just want to say about Pablo too: to shit on this record would be to spit on a baby for its lack of immediate articulation. Like you can't (laughs) say that Pablo. There's literally a baby on it. There is a baby on it, but it's their first record. Yeah. Like, it, it's funny you've been playing that on a Friday tune when we disagree. Play oh it. God. Go ahead. Okay. Do it again. I mean, that's bad. God, though. that's so bad. Pablo <laughs> is better than that. Yeah, that's for it sure. Is. That's, um, you is masterclass. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is. Great. Especially as a track one side one. Yeah. Uh, moving on to number seven. Number this is seven. when things probably are going to get a little like more heated. In here. This is for me. This is where a moon-shaped pool falls. Hey! Hey, go ahead and hit the paranoid engine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, me too. And, so and let's talk about yeah. this record. Let me t- now. Don't get me wrong. I love a moonshade. Me pool. too. I really do. It's and an like incredible to, to say the seventh best Radiohead album is to say one of the better albums of all time. Still, and you For know sure. when you're talking, Absolutely. we're talking about the best band of our generation. Yes. Maybe any generation. Maybe any. 
They are if at you can't least tell, like our it. generation's Beatles. Yeah, there have been Pink no Floyd member changes. They've consistently switched up their sound yeah. almost every time. They've been innovative. Yeah, totally. They've, yeah. Um, so for Pool, it came out at a really beautiful time in my life. And here you go. You're going to get me for this. It came out. When you and Jessica got married and didn't didn't invite me to your wedding, it came out cool. the the sun. I got married on a Friday. Oh, oh <laughs> shit! And it came out that Sunday, and it was like a surprise release. Well, luckily for me, I wasn't doing anything that weekend. Um, totally, totally could have gone to a wedding. Say there would have been one on a Friday. Um, but uh, uh, I listened to that record when it came out on the surprise release. On yeah. that, I think it was maybe the Monday after. Yeah, but. and uh, I was flying to. Italy for my honeymoon. Oh wow! So I got to listen to it, and at that point, that was the first time I had gone to another, like, flown across the Atlantic, and right? Gone to another continent. So, like, to touch down in Italy to Green Eyes and the numbers and God, more of the cin- so cinematic songs on this was really powerful and yeah. added to the the gravity of this album. And I saw them twice that year when they when they played once at Coachella, once in Berkeley, right? And and so a, a moonshade pool does mean a lot to me, but I'm, I've been removed from it now for a couple of years. So revisiting right. this, it still lies in that seventh spot. And this is, and I'm going to piss off people like Ben Haywood pool fans by saying this, but it could be an EP, and it would be an incredible EP if Radiohead would just do an EP, like right. a, like a big release EP. And I'll tell you why. You ready? Yeah. Burn the witch. Incredible. Track one. Daydreaming. So track two. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. We're oh, on yeah. a roll here. Yeah. Cut the next couple out. Track three is full stop. I love Desert Island Disc. That's actually my go-to song on this record. See, this EP just kind of cuts out the more composery, stringy right. stuff, yeah. which is not saying it's bad. I'm just kind of making a more direct approach. EP. Okay, so go straight to full stop from Daydreaming. Yep. Then Identikit, because that's kind of seems like the whole purpose for the whole album, because they seem like they really want to get Identikit on right. the record. Yeah. And then True Love Waits. Huh. Five songs. If you have to throw the numbers in there, I could do it. Yeah. And on True Love Waits, okay, so again, backing up, A Moonshade Pool is my seventh, too. It was their nice. Yeah, baby. Um, It was their ninth studio record, their last, uh, as we know of right now. Yep. Um, And that was in 2016. Um, Come back. So much things have gone downhill since you last. Please come back. Burn the Witch is also a song that they tried on the Kid A Amnesiac Sessions. Interesting. I did yes. not know that. So they that had been long written and in their repertoire that they had played a couple of times live. Not too much. But True Love Waits. Let's talk about that for a second. God damn. Uh, an I album mean, closer. That song we had also been listening to for quite some time because the first time we heard True Love Waits was on the live record, I Might Be Wrong, which was released right after Amnesiac. And True Love Waits was on that. And that was in 2001. Right. So True Love Waits, 15 years later, finally gets a spot on the record. Yeah. And it's an and incredible it's so song. Beautiful, it's and such it's worth a beautiful song. It is and it's gravity because yes. of his divorce with his wife, who yes. later passed away. Pa- months so after the record was released. Oh, so much intensity. They weren't married, I don't think. They were partnered. But okay, I don't yeah. know if they were technically married. Also, on that note, Tom York just got married a couple of know, days ago. Congratulations, Congrats. buddy. I mean, 20 years of Kid A and And getting wife. married. And yeah, hopefully a new record comes out. It'll be the happiest. Yeah, baby. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, for me... 
this release would have made much more sense as a direct follow-up to In Rainbows. Absolutely. Um, as it as opposed feels to, like that yes, to me. it does. As opposed to the King of Limbs following In Rainbows, and that's possibly due to the lingering majority of of the relatively subdued song arrangement, constructs of love, loss, and introspection. Mm. Um, if In Rainbows was an ode to intimacy and the exciting or confusing symptoms of such then this record should be considered their one and only quote-unquote breakup album. Right. Because this is makes sense. very much a breakup record. Is a Moonshape Pool Radiohead's emo album? Let's go ahead and call it that. Wow. I would say I would say Pablo Honey and a Moonshape Pool are the emo, <laughs> are records, the emo records of the Radiohead discography. Wow. Um, but it's, although to deem it, only a breakup record would be to cheapen its deep diving into other concepts such as climate change and opiates for the masses, like groupthink right. and whatnot. Like these were really hev- heavy uh, subjects mm-hmm. on this record, uh, minus the breakup stuff. That kind of they all they all uh, I guess maybe melted into one big sad opus. Yeah, and it's, it's a, a beautiful very sad record. album. Yes. It's beautiful and it's very sad. It What's your go to like on that record? Mm, it depends. There's a lot of different moods, but True Love Waits is by far the most incredible is, thing that happened really on that is. album. And I'm just so happy it took 15 years yeah, to Yeah, it was there. worth the wait. It was definitely worth the wait. My number six, I don't know, you're probably going to hate me for this, is In Rainbows. Okay. Listen, you're going to hate me for my number six, too. So I want to hear... I No, I want to hear about why In Rainbows is your number six. Uh, I don't dislike Six is Rainbows. a hard slot, by the way. Six is a really hard slot because we know... As we were discussing earlier, we know our number one, and we definitely know our three least favorite. Yeah, so now we're getting into albums we love that we have to separate. Dangerous territory. I mean, In Rainbows is an incredible album. The first time I saw Radiohead live was the precursor to In Rainbows. Like, they were touring in 2006, and they were testing out these songs. So I saw a lot of them before they were on record. That's why I love videotape. Me too. I saw saw that. Um, I saw some ones that didn't make it, some that are on that B-side, or the the disc two. two. Yeah. Uh, Like, Down is the New Up. I saw Bangers and Mash. Tom York played drums. Oh. It was amazing. I love Bangers and Mash. It's a great song. It's a great tune. They had a song, I believe it was called Spooks, that was like a minute and a half of instrumental. It was amazing. Um... I don't think I ever made it on anything. Um, but to me, and this uh, might piss you off, it's Gen Z's OK Computer. OK, you're right. That's how I feel about it. It's like... Actually, if, you're wrong. But uh, I, I see where you're coming from is what I meant to say. Yeah, what I'm, what I'm meaning by that is like if you hear a song like Body Snatchers, track two, and your mind is completely blown by it, it can only mean that your mind has not been blown by Paranoid Android yet. Sure. Because um, if you've already heard Paranoid Android, Body Snatchers is not exactly going to blow your mind open. No. And this is what Ben said. It was the first or it was the last time that Radiohead got a new generation of fans. Probably. That's true. Because after that, obviously, the King of Limbs didn't do much for retaining fans. <laughs> um, the only reason I disagree with that OK Computer statement is that In Rainbows intentionally misleads you in such a confident way. And because of that, I feel like there's some genius to it. Like starting off Example. a record with 15 step. I think that's a misstep. I just think it's an odd choice. No, I, think, it's I think that was deliberate. I think starting off with 15 step into body snatchers and then basically using the rest of the record as a love letter right. is a complete 
misguiding, an intentional misguiding of the listener. Like you hear 15 step, you hear body snatchers. You're like, oh shit, I'm getting another hail right now. Mm. And then you hit nude. And then basically everything thereafter minus jigsaw is a sedated love Fair. tune. Fair. Like, you know Fair. what I mean? And I, I feel like they did that purposefully. Album. It mm. is very much a love album. And that's where, again, where Pool is their breakup record and Rainbows is their love Well, you love remember record. I put House of Cards on my sex playlist. I know. So there we go. And, and I agreed with that. Yeah. Um, are you done? I mean, I, I again, it is. We can talk number about six this. Is this is tough hard. Because yeah. I still really do like In Rainbows, you know? But again, it just it doesn't hold up. Like also, I'm not I'm not going to Radiohead for love. I'm, I love them, right? But I'm going to them to, for for the ultimate sonic achievement Experience. in rock in like of course. yeah in, yeah in in not even rock music in in popular music. So right. you know, like their love album probably would come in. I don't know number six for me. Right. So there you go. That makes sense. <laughs> What's your number six? I'm actually going to change it right no now way. in real time. You, come on. I know I have to, dude. This um, is ridiculous. No, I have to. And like I said earlier, Stick to your convictions. No, 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 no. My these are my convictions, but this is something that I've been teetering on for okay. a second. I'm going to switch it up. Number six is the bins. Should have brought a sample. Okay, you know what? All right, sorry. Sorry. Okay, turn it off. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it the way it is. You're going to hate me even more for this. Number six is Hail to the Thief. That's better. I'm having problems with six and five. There's a couple well, of slots. now I know what five is. Now, you definitely know what five is. But that but, makes more sense to me. Because In Rainbows <laughs> is higher up for me. I like love records. So we're going to get to In Rainbows later. Um, okay, Hail. Okay. Six. Six studio record at number six in 2003. And truly, as we were talking about earlier, this had the potential to be the perfect all-around quote-unquote experimental rock record if it had it included throwaways these are my throwaways obviously i will sail to the moon is come cer on. certainly a throwaway for me come on and we suck young blood oh jesus you don't understand the mood of the record at no all. i definitely do it is a no, very dark gothic record i completely understand but jesus we have other Christ. examples of that on hail to the thief see my such note as here drunken says punch sail to running. the moon Holds up to me in their piano canon, big time. I do too, but that record could have done without that. And it has other super goth representations of the move of the record, um, especially tracks like you're Gloaming or Where I Ended. Sit down, begin. stand up needs to go into backdrafts. Come on, bro. Yeah, yes, that's, yes, actually, yeah. No, that's what I am saying. That's completely. absolute madness. Um, otherwise, even though frequently and contemptuously referred to by York as his least favorite record. He has said that Hale was one of his least favorite performances. Yeah. In Except the whole again, discography. They're there, which she said is the only song where he heard the mix made him cry. And because it is the perfect mix. Yeah. Um, I do believe that there is an alternate universe where this record could be number one. Should it not bear the burden of being put up against such other genius? Because it is truly one of my favorite records. Right. It was a very difficult decision. Obviously, you heard me in real time be like, uh, uh, because I feel it should be so close to number one. But then again, there are other records that I feel were more important to their evolution as a group. Because at this point, they had already reached that kind of penultimate, as you were saying, symbiotic relationship between uh, their uh, their previous electronic records. And I imagine also their previous it was rock their records. hardest album to write because, yeah, they had 
built up so much momentum and just per- outperformed every left corner oh, they yeah. took. And so how do you, I mean, that's the one that would drive me nuts. Also, this record was recorded in two weeks at Ocean Way Studios in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, which is also very strange. It is strange. the L.A. album. It is the L.A. album, and uh, it was their last record for EMI, so I also thought that, the, I think that they were trying to get out of that contract. Right. Um, when I was reading a little bit about Hale uh, more recently over the past 48 hours in preparation for this, uh, they said that it was such a new experience for them going in and tracking it, especially after the Kid A Amnesiac sessions, because with Kid A and Amnesiac, they were manufacturing tunes in a studio. Mm-hmm. With Hail to the Thief, they set up and they played most of it live. Right. They would go back and overdub some of the electronic parts, but it was the 180 of what they had done in the Kid A Amnesiac It feels sessions. more live. It does it feel does. more live. Oh, completely. Which plays to its uh, benefits in some areas, and to some areas it kind of... It, it does kinda, falter a little right. bit. Um, I do believe it was unfair in the unveiling of this record that most uh, mostly unfinished material was leaked. To, it, it was like 10 weeks before the release, and I remember when that happened, and I remember listening to the songs. They were pre-mixed. Oh, I didn't, I didn't hear those. They I'm were pre-mixed board stems, and I think there was only a few. There was like 2 plus 2 equals 5. I think there was Drunken Punch-Up. These are the ones that I remember hearing and thinking, this sounds rough, um, which was totally blown open that when sucks. the record came out. Um, but the record is strange. It's definitely their most political release. Yeah, and it was basically it's the war- up to the title. It was it was so anti-Bush mm-hmm. and anti-war on terror um, from an outsider's perspective. You know, being the British lads that they are. Yeah. Um, but it is the perfect follow-up to Amnesiac for all these whiny purists forever wishing them to return to form. Yeah, you know, they, like, they they did both. They returned to form and they kept all their electronics. And they kept all the cool <laughs> shit. And what was cool about Hale, what's so fucking cool about Hale, and I saw them on that tour. I saw them at Coachella that year and at the Hollywood Bowl that year, um, is that they, when they were manufacturing songs in the studio for Kid A and Amnesiac, they had to then go back before those tours and learn how to implement all of the electronic elements into their live show. Mm -hmm. They didn't really do that live in the studio. They had to go back and learn. Of course. Um, But since they had to go back and learn to prepare for the Kid A Amnesiac tours, they they knew exactly what they were doing when they hit hail, which is why some of that shit is so cool. Yeah. Um, Like I said, like we were saying, it feels live. My only problem with Halo of the Thief, really, besides its bulkiness, and I'll slim it down when I get to it on mine, can't wait. is you can't trust someone whose favorite album is Hail to the Thief. That's very true. You're right. Those are the wild cards out there you got to look out for. That's true. I'm telling you. There is a part of me that wants to put it at number one, though. I have listened to Hail religiously. The the weirdest kid in the room of loves Hail yeah. to the Thief the I'm best. a kindred spirit. I hate my dad. I love Hail to the Thief. It's kind of that shit. Yeah, exactly. And I don't agree with that, even though it is in a fucking incredible it's record. It's a shock jock move, man. It is. You're right. All right, so where are we at? I don't know. Wait, my go-to on Hail to the Thief, I just want to say, is Backdrifts. Obviously, I mean, mine is there, there. Yeah. My number five is Amnesiac. Okay, so... Right? No, we do not agree on that <laughs> at all. Actually, go ahead and give me a little snippet of the On a Friday tune. 
You don't get it. You should buy your own sampler. Okay, yeah, I should have brought my own sampler. You're right. Um, before I jump down your fucking throat, right, I'm going to wait. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the opportunity to, to explain why you're putting the greatest album of all time at oh uh, number five on the list. It is a bit of a clunky, misguided, directionalist <sighs> bunch of very interesting and okay. okay ahead of its time music definitely ahead of its time um there's no cohesion to it really i could not disagree more uh, <laughs> but i do i mean say kid, something nice kid about a, it kid a will always ruin this album for me because i had heard kid a first i'm and waiting I understand to, I'm, that I'm, it was a, they were written in the same session they were recorded at the same session. Yeah, they were. Written- I'm, w- I'm wondering if I should launch into you right now about these counter arguments, or wait until we get to where Amnesiac is on my. Wherever list. you burst, you just know what? Do it I'm, you I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to build tension. A but little God, bit. it is still impressive on its own. A true fucking freak of an album for sure. Um, I love a lot of it. I might be wrong. As I said, is in my top five radio. It, and I was surprised to hear that, um, especially I, after so much fucking not? Amnesiac hate. I mean, that I get from you. I'm just saying, like, it sounds like what Kid A did, but just in like a you know a little bit softer, watered down version with more left turns that don't really add up like the ones do in Kid A. To me. I understand. It also has just to go ahead and like put something out there in defense. It has three of Radiohead's best ballads. Three. Pyramid Song, You and Whose Army, and Life in a Glass House. Life, You and Whose Army is more of a slow build weirdo song. It's a so ballad, Cam. It's like more of a, like a, a horse ride into the desert. <sighs> uh, Can you give me something else nice about Amnesiac, please? Because yeah, I, mean, I just I, think I feel Polk, hurt. Pole Revolving Doors is a great song to trip acid to. Completely. So, I mean, I've tripped a lot of acid to Amnesiac. Also, um, every woman I've ever dated, including my wife. His favorite album has always been Amnesia. I don't know what that's about. Um, you know what I'm it is? To it's a sex girls. appeal thing. And this, you know what that just did? That just edged our will they, won't they even further into yeah, it's not the, the same with guys, though. It's uh, a are girl, you sure about Amnesia that? girls, it's very hot. It's Amnesia guys, hot. it's right. like, oh my God, come on. It is really hot for a girl to like Amnesiac, although that is very strange for me to say right now because my niece just turned 18. Mm hmm. And uh, hi, Kaylin, if you're listening. And uh, she got the crying bear tattoo oh, right. from the cover of Amnesiac. And she's also Amnesiac number one person. Okay. Well, I was going to say the crying bear doesn't just only fully capsulate. I know. No, no. I, I understand that. But it is the prominent piece of the cover yeah. of Amnesiac. Yeah. Um, okay. So I said some nice things. Pyramid song pisses me off because I can't figure Why? out the timing. I can't the figure it out. timing is impossible. And I need to be able to know the timing or else I can't get lost <sighs> in it. Dude, how the drums kick in with yeah, that. I don't understand it. Rolls. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't I understand. just can't wait till we get to my number one so I can bring up some very interesting factoids to put this fucking bullshit purist kid A B-sides argument into the ground six oh. feet under f- once and for all because the band has even said 
to argue against this mentality. They have said very specific things. And if you're not trusting it from the mouths of the people who created both of these things in the same fucking sessions, uh-huh. then I cannot even imagine how you can comprehend listening to any other facts in your life. Because I mean, maybe I've just ignored it. Maybe I'm ignorant to it. I think you, see, We'll see what happens when we'll, you school We'll see. We'll it. see. Well, What's we your kn- number five? We know what my well, five is. It's the Benz. It's the Benz, which was also hard to me for me to put at number five mm-hmm. because I love the bins and I'm I don't feel bad about putting it at five. I think so five's fine. Five's Anywhere fine. around three to five in the bins, I'm I feel like it's an okay place. Well, for there it. are plenty of reasons that this effort deserves to be in the top three. Yeah, which it isn't on my list because it was difficult. Um, as a follow up. It may as well be considered the solving of an equation that was only being written for the first time on their debut on Pablo. Yeah. Like they it's st- the true debut. The it is seven the, piece. It is the true debut. Yeah. And it paved the way for the combination of sneering edge and sonic sca- soundscapes that would come to define the rest of their career. Right. You know? And dude, tracks like some of even the the like we we all know the singles. We all know fake plastic. We all know high and dry. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, we all know just, but tracks like Nice Dream mm-hmm. or Bulletproof I Wish I Was or Street Spirit, yeah. uh, these are Black Star. Yeah. These are all incredible songs. My Iron Lung is I just my one of lung, Well, Fake Plastic Tree is my favorite, but My Iron Lung might be my go to. Just like, definitely. Phew, what a piece. Also, Title Track is punk. Oh, yeah. Title Track is so fucking punk. Yeah, uh, I'm a fan all the way through the bands. I've always been, I mean, it was like kind of. Spent, I feel like, a whole year with it. For a long time, I liked it more than OK Computer. Me too. Um, I actually had it above OK on this list before I changed my mind at the last second. But there's been so much that they've done since the Benz that... Anyway, so, but number five, I think that's fine. That's Thank fine. you. Thank, hey, go Not ahead and... Hey, hit it, dude. You just... Right. Said, yeah! I mean, we're not at the same spot. That's not my number. It's OK. Um, so now we're moving on to number four. My number four is Hail to the Thief. Okay. And I want to talk about that for a second. Uh-huh. And I love Hail to the Thief. So even, do I. Even though it's chunky and it's strange and there's too much going on. But I think they need an album like that. I mean, every other career band has the, their album where they throw everything into the At mix. the wall. Yeah. And they did it better than most. I mean. Sure did. You're going to hate my edit now that I know your favorite songs. <clears throat> Here we go. I'm going to slim Hail to the Thief down to 10 tracks. Okay. Now, when you're slimming, are you also rearranging track listing? Or are you simply removing? Removing. Okay. Here because we go. Because it's fine. It was just removing. Um, it's a 14-track album. Mm-hmm. It's too long. Uh, even It's the longest Radiohead album. It, Is it? Yeah. But I would go 2 plus 2 equals 5. Okay. Sit down, stand up. Okay. Sail to the moon. Okay. Go to sleep. You're going to remove backdrifts? Yeah. We get it later in the gloaming. Uh, that's almost true <laughs> go to sleep we're in a new begin at number uh-huh. five we suck young blood you don't get it it's a mood piece to end i uh, no. I, I if you take out punch up i'm gonna be fucking pissed oh the gloaming at number seven okay they're there number eight okay where it should be it's it's the eighth track the it eighth is track the, is, it is the track the idiotech right. that yeah. iron lung there right. there should be track eight Nine, Mixomatosis. Okay. Ten, Wolf at the Door. Oh, my God. You did take out Drunken Punch-Up. And Scatterbrain. And I'm I Will. also okay. And Bacters. The only reason I actually had... It's a good album. I have a playlist. It on. is a good album. Um, I really love Drunken Punch Up. I'm not the I'm not the most ardent fan of Scatterbrain. Yeah, that was actually that. on my removal list. The only reason I didn't 
articulate that earlier is because Taylor Brown did tell me earlier that he loves Scatterbrain, so Ooh. I didn't want to shit on him for that. But now that the truth is out, I would totally take out Scatterbrain too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that's my slim down Hail the Thief, but still, I love Hail the Thief for the ch- even the tracks that they included. I do yeah. like Backdrifts. I like Punch Up. I like yeah. Scatterbrain enough. Don't I don't really too. like I will. I um, hate I will. I actually am okay saying I completely despise I will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what's weird about Hail too is that when I saw Radiohead on the Moon tour, mm-hmm. um, they opened with Mixomatosis. Whoa. They hit the stage in Atlanta and fucking barreled into Mixomatosis. That's an odd opener. I it love was, it though. Risky. I was so surprised. Everyone in the audience was so in, it just outrageously surprised yeah. that they would go. I mean, cheers, crowd cheering, crowd cheering, and then all of a sudden, thank you. And it was the it was insane, dude. I mean, it was a it was a great moment, <laughs> wow. and it was a bold choice as far as Very I'm concerned. Bold. I completely understand Hail It Four, and honestly, dude, I wish I was bold enough to put Hail It Four because there's a part of I do me. feel like it's the boldest part of my list. It is really bold to put it and, there. Uh, I stand by it. I really uh, do should. love love a lot. I mean. If I'm being, I love that the best opener, I said all six first albums for song, but really it's probably two plus two equals five. Oh, I really? Mean, that's, that might be one of my least favorite. Re- I love yeah. the way that song unravels, like a, just corkscrew unravels. It was too political for me, even when I first heard oh, it. Like that you've not been paying attention, you know, like the, that refrain being shouted over and over again was I think kind I of... Lo- it, it, it shouted at my punk roots and it didn't feel... Yeah, fake at all. No, it didn't feel it didn't feel forced or trite to me either. It's just I love Hale so much. Like some of the later cuts, again, go to sleep. It go to sleep might be my favorite song. Oh, like man. I wanted to put that at number one on my best song list, but Talk I wasn't about a guitar right song. Like dude, saying fuck. they don't do guitars anymore. Go to sleep. Uh, Learn to play yeah. that song. Guitar. Look, that's incredibly fucking, hard. That is so hard. Like the second half is nuts. It's it's, it's impossible. All these broken little chords. It's yeah. awesome. And a lot of upstrokes that let's let's sit yeah let's sit there for a second and thank Johnny Greenwood for upstroking more than he downstrokes. Yeah. He truly most does. violent upstrokes most in rock violent history. upstrokes. But also you can hear the upstroke. Yeah, and if some fucking jabroni comes to me and is like, "There's no difference if you downstroke or upstroke," there is. Yeah. There's a very specific difference, Johnny and Greenwood. you can hear it in Johnny Greenwood's playing. Um, What's your number four? My number four is in rainbows. Wow. I know. I had to. I'm a love letter fan. And it's, the, again, the only Sorry, real. Sorry, that wow seems so. Wow. You're a dumbass. Wow. Wow. Here it um, goes. It's the only cohesive love letter of the bunch, as we were talking about, that lures in and tricks you, as I was talking about earlier. Um, and also the transparent mix choices and deliberate minimalism, instrumentally speaking. Mm. I think a big problem of Limbs is they got so into the minimalism they did on Rainbows that they ran away with they it. They ran away with it. It, it, got, it got way too misconstrued, yeah. I think, in the process But of the minimalism does work on Rainbows. It does, because it's really their only record where it works. Mm. Um and I just I think it's a timeless record, mostly about it connections with others, oneself, and death. There's I a keep lot thinking of concepts about what you said death. about fifteen step and body snatchers misleading you through because I never thought about it like that. 
And the album does make more sense if you remove those two beginnings. It and makes look the at most it. sense. Right. Now, after 15 Step and Body Snatchers, you still have grooves. You still have Definitely. weird fishes and you still have jigsaw. You have beats, but you don't have rock. Right. Right. Well, with Nude and All I Need and House of Cards and Videotape and Reckoner, Reckoner's these are all. Probably my number six favorite radio. It's, it's a great, right it's an top. incredible song, obviously. Reckoner but, is such an odd choice of. Uh, drum and percussion For mix sure. dominating that mix. If you ever want to learn how to play a tambourine appropriately, listen to Reckoner over and over again. I don't even know what they're doing. It's it's insane. Um, I feel like a lot of people shit on In Rainbows because it was clouded. Now, there's been a bunch of Radiohead releases clouded by press. Which right, I, this would be the most notable one because of the pay. The pay, what you, pay, what you will I mean, it, it changed yeah. the music industry entirely. It did, and it was a relentless talking point in the music industry. It was. For it, the press. it almost, yeah, for a while, it clouded the actual. It music. overshadowed how stripped down and intimate the record really is, mm-hmm. because it was like this huge thing where I don't think Radiohead wanted in Rainbows to be this huge release, which is why. They kind of just put it out with a pay what you will thing, like unless you were getting the collector's edition box set with disc two and the vinyls and everything, which all of their default which didn't fans come out till much much later. later. Yeah. But I think that record was meant to be released almost as an understatement, almost yeah. like, hey guys, we're not going to keep doing this. We're not going to keep the doing next this release big is going to be biggest release the, thing. And, and like, since then, it has cooled down. It has. I feel like, yeah, oh the, yeah, the, totally. The hype behind a Radiohead. Release. And I think that was the start of it, which is why I like in Rainbows when you listen to the record as opposed to hearing the manufactured sense of Kid A or the crazy sporadic well ahead of its time art of amnesiac or the 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 brain jumbling cpu of okay computer you hear in rainbows and you're like holy fuck these are just five dudes like writing really beautiful love songs mm-hmm. the acoustic guitar is really prominent on that record uh more so than just york using it as his instrument such as like okay computer or ben's it it was the the acoustic finger picking started there mm-hmm. really on rainbows and i think greenwood was using the acoustic a lot yeah. in the recording of that as Fostar, well Chicago. exactly precisely um and i don't know i feel like the record doesn't deserve a lot of the hype associated with it and obviously it was as you were saying it was kind of a gen z this is my first time listening to radiohead which I wouldn't have wanted to be my first Radiohead record. No, I mean, me neither. I, I can't imagine. That's that's by why I was saying that, because I feel like it was a new generation. But there is some songs on it that, you know, All I Need when it kicks into the second They're half of that incredible. song, it hits me every time. Yeah. I, I mean, it gives me chills. Chills and tears, baby, all the way through. Okay, well. Wow, we are in the top three. Do we still love each other? I feel like we haven't disagreed that harshly. No, yet. we haven't. I thought it was going to be worse than this. Yeah. I mean, my number three is the Benz, which you had at number five. Five, yeah. So that's not terribly different. But Benz was a big album for my continued listening to radio. Of course. I heard OK, I loved him. Heard Pablo Honey. I was like, nah. Then I heard the Benz, and I was like, yes. This is it. This is the record. Yeah, and I didn't hear Kid A and Hail of the Thief until after that. Um, So the Benz I spent a long time with, and it shaped how I played guitar. 
Absolutely. I can see how it shaped you play. I mean, yeah. having seen you play, it's shaped how much I think about guitar pedals. It's, for sure. it's like everything. It like it's just such a roots album of mine. It you is know? weird cover. I think the cover tur- turned me off as a child. For I was always scared of certain album covers when I was young. It looks like an alien getting head. Right. That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. uh, I couldn't. Yeah, that's the most succinct way to, to put it. Um, and just just really just really enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that always turned me off. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I like that band. That cover fucking freaks me out. <laughs> you know what the bends means? It's uh, when you're underwater. And it's you a scuba get, diving yeah, term. It's a d- yeah. Disorientation. When you do not decompress in a timely manner, yeah. you actually have air bubbles in your brain right. that it can, can pop give you and permanent make you brain sick. damage. Exactly. Or kill you. Or kill you. Yeah. yeah. No, no Which, joke. Knowing that, and I only learned that maybe about, I mean, maybe 10 or 12 years ago. I was actually living in Hawaii and I was taking scuba diving classes, and someone said, Don't get the bins. And I like, was like, Oh, dude, it's oh, a dude you're a Radiohead fan? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your number three? Um, well, you probably know what my number three is at this point. Is it okay? Yes, it is. Okay. Now, I guess I know what your number two is. Your two is okay, computer. It is. Okay, so now let's talk about okay, since you and I are asked to ass here. Right. Um, I'm three, you're two. Uh, we're talking about the third studio record. I cannot believe okay, computer was just their third record. That's I know. Just that's so amazing. Mind boggling. Um, this is most people's number one. Of I course. Feel like. this yeah, is the most ben Haywood. Popular number yeah, one. Totally. Maybe, maybe Kid A, but definitely. The first choice for number one that they ever made. I mean, revolutionary record. What could we say about OK Computer that hasn't been said? It's been said time and time again. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, that was their global staple. Right. Um, That's the one that busted them all overseas, over yes. the whole world. I mean, and, and if you haven't, if you're out there listening and you haven't watched Meeting People is Easy, if you want a deeper relationship with this record, I would recommend it mm-hmm. because you see how debilitating this fame is to the band who are just trying to make records. Right. It, it was, yeah. I mean, first, when they toured America, when OK was coming out, they were still, like, opening for Atlantis Morissette. Right. And by the end of the tour, they were, you know, playing stadiums. It was a global smash. Right. And rightly so. It's got some of the best goddamn songs of it all really time does. on it. It really does, yeah. Mean, Paranoid Android opened my eyes into a whole new style of where music could go. There is no style unless you're talking about sweets. Like Paranoid Android has sweets. Yeah. It is a it's almost an orchestral composition where each movement is so completely different. Yeah. I mean the from the bridge into the part that's in 7 and the solos and all the great percussion that's yeah. happening throughout uh, when we were talking about Airbag being my favorite track, right. one side one earlier, little known fact. Hell of a side one. Tom York played bass on that track. Really? Good. Greenwood could not pull it off, and York knew exactly what he wanted Ooh. to. Ooh. Yeah, like all of those staccato groove parts wow. that he was doing. That I was love all that York. shit. Yeah, me too. Oh, man. I, I love that, that shit too. Colin. It's okay. No, Colin has. Yo, Colin. He can do has, it now. He's fine. Yeah, oh, of course he can. Um, Colin wrote the bass line on I Might Be Wrong, which is maybe the fucking craziest thing yeah. I've ever heard in my life. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, he has some true, true master parts. But since we're both talking of OK Computer at my three and your two, we might as well keep talking about it. If, if I had to say my one complaint about OK Computer and probably why it, uh, one of the reasons not in the number one slot for me is that 
between Lucky and the Tourist, I feel like they ended it twice. Yeah, they for both sure. seem like final songs. Totally. To me, yeah, and they couldn't choose, and they just included them both. Right. I feel like the album would be more impactful if they went with one of them, particularly Lucky. Particularly <laughs> Lucky.
this record does deserve to be at number one for one very particular reason, and that, as I was just saying, I liken Radiohead to the Beatles earlier because they have they've had no member changes. They have consistently put out great records. They're, they've been prolific. Mm-hmm. They've been genre-defining in so many different ways with each release. Yeah. But also, OK Computer was their rubber soul. Okay. It was the moment that you realized that that band was never going to go back to Pablo Honey or the Benz. Right. Although, For me, I'm more akin to you know, Pink Floyd's Dark Side. Sure, yeah. For me, when I say rubber, rubber soul, it's more of... The, t- the placement in the album. You re- yeah. Well, also, you realize that there is no turning back. Right. Again, yeah. like, it is such a genius record. It is so chock full with with concepts that had not been done in rock and roll at that mm-hmm. time, like Rubber Soul was, you know, which, like, and I don't know if you're familiar with Rubber Soul. It yeah. had tracks like Norwegian Wood yeah. or Girl or... You know, a lot of these kind of non-Beatle tunes, yeah. like there were angry songs. There were there were weird songs in French. You know what I mean? They used the French horn for the first time. It was like, it was just a uh, weird like, experimental okay, computer process. Has an, a computer voice talking through it. Exactly. Like, Fit Your Happier, yeah. How does Fit Your Happier somehow work? It does. That's how good OK Computer is. That and when somehow you, that song works. When you're listening to OK in one sitting, you don't skip over Fit or Happier. No, you you need let it, it you ride. Need, yeah, you need to get through that. Again, yeah. the delayed gratification that a Radiohead album would For be. sure. Um, but I understand people. I totally understand them having this at number one. They're wrong, but a lot yeah. of people's number one is OK Computer. It's just so important, too, because the subsequent success cannot be overstated as without this record and its global status of breakthrough phenomena who knows if there would have been enough creative control or faith in the making of kid a yeah like the fact is is that radiohead had had creative control off of okay computer they went in they made okay computer it was a fucking massive global success and from then on they could go back to EMI with horse shit in a bucket, and they'd be like, sure, this is going to sell because you made OK Computer. We trusted you for this record. It was a smash global record. So now you get to do whatever you want. So it's like OK Computer is so important in the pantheon. To, yeah, to what happened afterwards. Because they had creative control. Yeah. And they, like, think about if... Think about if Kid A would have. Think about if there was no OK Computer and Kid. They approached EMI with Kid A after the bins. I mean, they would also would have been too soon for it. Ninety-seven would have been, been the time for Kid A. You're right, but dude, two thousand wasn't even the time for Kid A. Right, as far as I'm concerned. Here we are, twenty-eight years later. Is it even? Is it's, it even time? Right. Um. But without that. I don't th- without that level of success off of OK Computer. I honestly don't think that EMI would have put out Kid A. Right. I think they would have been like, "Wow, you guys are way too conceptually big for your britches here." There's no <laughs> type of research pooling or like audience testing that would like something yeah. like this. I couldn't get through track two. Yeah, <laughs> me as a 13-year-old yeah. hearing Kid A for the first right. time title track, I'm like, what the fuck a is A 13-year-old is what a label is listening to music to make people, to exactly. give the 13-year-old right. enjoyment. He hears Kid A as track two, and he's like, no, nah, you guys, nah, there's no- <laughs> back to the drawing board. <laughs> give me something like, uh, like what does I want? Creep. 
Give me another creep. Exactly. And without creep distract okay, too. We can put creep dude, there. Without OK Computer, I feel like EMI would have said, "Where's our next creep?" Absolutely. Where's our next creep? Mm-hmm. Even um, though you know, OK Computer was almost singleless. I mean, I guess it's Karma Police. Karma Police and no, no surprises, which is All weird. Right. They yeah. put out no surprises as a single. What with a great the music video. video. What a great I love video. the video. Um, such a great concept for the time, kind of groundbreaking, but an Definitely. odd single choice. Definitely. I mean, what else could you pick, though? Everything else. Electioneering. Yeah, but it, yeah, I guess. Electioneering would have done great on AAA mainstream rock radio. Yeah, it's, it's, the song is incredible. It is fucking incredible. <laughs> I love yeah. that song Me so too. much. That's a Johnny Greenwood that guitar is, song. Oh, dude. Ooh, big Ooh, talk time. Talk about bins, baby. baby. You're going to have to put some fucking seven gauge strings on that telly. So that's your number three and nine, my number two. Okay, so computer. here we are to, well, we know what your number one is. We know what my number one is. So that only leaves your number two, which is Kid A. <laughs> it had to be number two, but hey. Okay, you got it. It's <laughs> I gotta give it up. Um, how we should do this because it is kind of beautiful that. So now it's just Kid A versus Amnesia. Amnesia. So. I feel like you should talk about your number one because, dude, obviously I love Kid A too. It, it it has to be number two for me. It's not as fun that you like if you had Kid A at number five, like I had that, Amnesia. Right, that would be been a more fa- it'd be a fun more fun fight. But instead, you also very much love Kid A. I so do very much it. love Kid A because guess what? I think you I'm, need to more convince me that Amnesiac hold is on. in no. some world better what than Kid I A. What I need to do is say this because I'm not a total fucking asshole <laughs> and putting Kid A at five because I understand that you cannot have Kid A without Amnesiac. Yes, you could. And you cannot they did have for, There's a whole year where that was going on. Just a year, which is the <laughs> shortest span of time they've ever had before right. they put out records. I'm sure it was fine, though. It was a good year. Everybody was listening to Kid A. It was a good year. <laughs> But Amnesia... Okay, hold on. Before I even get into Amnesiac, I want you to talk about Kid A. Actually, I want us no, to talk you, about you Kid You said A. you had all these points. To I do, but I want you to talk about your number one before I talk about my number one. And since Kid A's my number two, we're basically here anyways. Yeah, we are. We're here. So we're at this let's impasse. talk about Kid A. I mean, the big thing to me about Kid A is Tom and Johnny, who obviously are... We've heard other solo albums... You know, yes. by other members. Tom and Johnny are clearly the aliens in this band. Have you listened to Phil Selway's no, solo records? Uh, wow. He has a couple of them, and they're pretty bad. But what Tom and Johnny even separately have done since Kid A proves that yes, very they're much. the aliens in this band that make this incredible art, and Kid A is their opus. And it's more than an album. It's more than 10 songs. It's, it's an entire painting or just a series of paintings that you can walk by. It's a goddamn art museum. It really is, yeah. And it's elegant, and it's scary, and it sometimes kind of rocks, and it has beats, and there's songs in five, and there's beautiful ballads, and even at the very end when everything's over, you, Motion if you wait picture, for a little baby. while, oh. there's a wash of noise that comes yeah. right over you at the end. Untitled. Like a wave. <laughs> yeah. It's the most beautiful record ever made. It really is. That's my you know piece. what? Actually, I'm going to go ahead and say it is the most beautiful record ever made with you. Let's hit it, dude. Hit that paranoid right. intro. Yay! Um, 
I am not going to argue that it is the most beautiful record ever made. I'm not. That so, that would be a really immature argument on my part, solely you know, for no, the I'm purpose. Pissed again, because I feel like having Amnesiac as your number one and Kid A as your number two is just almost like shitting right on it. No, 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 not at all. The reason I put Amnesiac at number one, well, I'll get to that in a second. The reason I can't condemn kid a and the reason i agree with you that it is one of the most beautiful records ever made is that it in fact is what i'm doing by putting amnesiac at number one is shedding a light on something that people have misconstrued since the release of amnesiac which was unfortunately overshadowed by they should have waited a couple of years before they put it out they didn't they waited actually under a year right. i want to say it was under I think it was that maybe Amnesiac came out in June of the following year. It was like eight months or yeah. something like that. But for me to argue that Kid A is a substandard record to Amnesiac would be wrong. And this is where I'm coming with the peace stick for you and I on this particular uh, subject. Because I just simply prefer amnesiac to kid a i prefer it i don't want to call either record a better record than the than the other because they were again recorded in the same here i'm gonna say this if you're not listening to me right now then go fuck yourself oh boy kid a and amnesiac were meant to be one record right kid a was meant to be a double record they already had selected the songs for Amnesiac out of all of the sessions, they had all the songs. Each song on Kid A and Amnesiac was going to be a double album. At the end of that, there were density concerns, obviously, because Kid A is a really beautiful thing to work through. Amnesiac is kind of its own beast. So combining those two things and making a double record, I tried to find a track listing of what that double record would have been. It doesn't exist because they didn't make it that far. But they had selected all of the songs for this double album. And at the last fucking second, I believe at the advice of Nigel, and because Tom was feeling weird about it, They decided to make it two records and not wait too long before releasing Amnesiac. Mm -hmm. So I'm proposing a truce right now. And this is really what I want to get at. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitiveness be damned when speaking of these two records as polarizing opposites or chaperones of one another, as they are simply two types of listeners attracted to the relative nature of both. Separate entities that were born under the same roof by the same group in the same sessions who simply wanted to avoid, again, the didsness of making Kid A a double record. To disgrace one is to disgrace the other simultaneously as they are conjoined and cemented together in time. Let there be peace amongst these warring tribes i just i I disagree i don't i'm gonna go ahead as we're and on the subject and i'm not gonna stop here because (laughs) i want the i want us to hear it from the band themselves i'm gonna go ahead and quote york okay 
Tom York said, they cancel each other out as overall finished things. They come from two different places, I think. In some weird way, I think Amnesiac gives another take on Kid A, a form of explanation. I see Amnesiac not as a collection of B-sides. Let me say that again in a very infuriated tone. Tom York says, I see Amnesiac not as a collection of B-sides or Kid A outtakes, but an album in its own right. The defense will never rest, but let me go ahead and just fucking touch my left nipple because I found ultimate definitive proof that the band themselves see them both as cohorts of one another that should be working in a symbiotic relationship with one another. Okay. Let me go ahead and further quote, and obviously this is from a less important source, but Phil Selway had an interesting take on it. The sessions had two frames of mind, a tension between our old approach of all being in a room playing together and the other extreme of manufacturing music in the studio. I think Amnesiac comes out stronger in the band arrangement way, which it most certainly fucking does, Phil. Mm. Think about it. Think nah, about the manufacturing. Yeah, about yeah, think about it. The only real band songs you have on Kid A, National Anthem, optimistic yeah, i'll take those over dollars and cents and knives out anything oh dude yeah right uh -huh. i might be wrong dollars and cents knives out i mean even i mean pack like sardines was more of the kid a mm. kind of mentality mm -hmm. but you got morning bell with that drum beat on kid a it's amnesiac, way better morning bell mm, no i the whole like thing is, is kid a is just better than amnesiac all, all the songs are better again i better don't album. think you should even think that way like i can't help it we're ranking these albums and amnesiac feels like an afterthought. Cameron, I completely understand what you're talking about. I'm trying through this podcast to re to reach an enlightened point where I don't see Kid A or Amnesiac separated. I see them as one thing. It's not going to work in my eyes. It's not, it doesn't, not that's gonna, okay. I'm not going to let You can it be black and white. I'm saying that I am proposing a truce to it's all those. It's a cop-out. It is not a cop-out. What it is, is it's an elevated sense of thinking. It's us taking two things that were meant to be one and putting them back together to live harmoniously with one another within the canon of the discography. I think also... I'll listen to them back to back if you want me to do that. Sure. I All day. am going to give a few points here while we're on it, and then I'm going to let you have the floor for the I'm rest of the I'm not interested in a track listing of the two of them combined. I don't want to disrupt the track listing. I understand. Of either of them, really, but mostly Kid A. So I am not interested in hearing that. And I'm not going to give you a track listing. Okay. No. What I'm going <laughs> to say is that uh, Amnesiac is more insidious than Kid A, therefore more complex. I, Kid, oh, well, yeah. I disagree with the second half of uh, the statement, but the first half I do agree with. Oh, it is more insidious. Absolutely. It is definitely more devilish. Absolutely. Therefore, much, is, I would argue it's their most devilish album. I would say so as well, too. Kid A is arguably, mm, maybe inarguably, easier to digest. Much Actually, you know what? Too. I'm going to be definitive on that. It is easier to digest. Yes. Making it less rewarding on the back end of interpretation of effort. In contrast to Amnesiac being that, more Steve. of a diverse listen that commands a deeper sense of attention to grasp the intent of a record as a whole. But you don't understand. Both of these albums are challenging in... in 
Amnesiac place. is more challenging. Yeah, so I'm therefore saying I'm saying it's it is amazing. a greater reward in the end. Well, you already have to be pretty into the weirdness to get into either of them. So That's I'm true. saying Kid A being more digestible is important in this canon of an already strange and futuristic sounding album. Where Amnesiac's predecessor, Kid A, loftily vaults towards reinventing the wheel. Amnesiac picks up where it lacks infusing the balance between the trailblazing territory of new sounds and the experimentation of quality control. And that's my fucking mic drop. That's okay. all I'm going to say on Amnesiac. Because right. now we're both upset. I can visibly see that you're upset. What is this Go part? ahead. Yeah. Hit it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, I'm glad no, no, we're no. talking about this. We knew where this was going, and totally. we knew we weren't going to yeah. see eye to eye. You look visibly uncomfortable right now. <laughs> I mean, you're just not going to convince me. because I just screamed me. into the microphone for no, like... No, 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 no. I wanted you to get angry. I'm okay. glad you did. Right. Right? We got it all out. Is there anything more you want to say about Kid A being at number one, especially on its 20th anniversary, which is uh, such a milestone? I mean, I just say, if you listen to this... Listen to it tonight, you know. Yeah. Pop on that kid A and just let it let it go all the way through to that rush at the end of, of sound. Spotify actually separates separates that out into its own track. I know it's untitled, which is I weird. don't love that. I don't love that either. I love that I could put it at the end of playlists or something. I love <laughs> motion picture soundtracks oh so God. much. I what think a, you're crazy. The best ending to the. End it of the I actually, you know what. I would pick that over Life in a Glass House, although yeah. I am certainly a Life in a Glass House. I mean, fan. I will say Life in a Glass House ends amnesiac appropriately. Mm-hmm. Where because the pictures, whole thing really does it's all feel... it's all in how they how those two end that yeah. is where they differ. Looking at some of their live shows that especially you and I have seen them multiple times. First time I ever saw them, they opened with you and Who's Army. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's what I wanted to get on. They play a lot, obviously, from not only Kid A, which is maybe their most important record. Yeah. Their sea change, if you will. Um, but they also play a lot of Amnesiac. Yeah, they my first do- time I saw them, I saw... They did a Kid A Amnesiac heavy show. Heavy. And I still think they do that. Even when I saw yeah. them on the pool tour, they were doing Pyramid. They were doing You and Who's Army. Yeah, I they saw were doing like Spinning I Might plates. Be Wrong, like um, Spinning Plates. I saw yeah. Pyramid because Johnny does the bow and everybody exactly. loves watching yeah. that. Um, they did Morning Bell, the Kid A one, which was really cool to see. Obviously, Idiotech is yeah. mainstay. Everything in its right place. Of course. Um, National Anthem. Uh, I've never seen How to Disappear completely. Neither have I, and I've always wanted to. Yeah, I've never seen um, uh, Pack Like Sardines. I don't even know Neither if they play I. that. I don't think they play that. I, I don't think know if it would come across that well. It either. wouldn't. That they, is an opening piece. That yeah. is a statement. I don't think that has anything to do with their live approach. Yeah, I'd love to see them try it, though. It, it's such a cool song. It is a really cool song, yeah. Well, we both agree that we like both these albums we, quite yes, a lot. We love yeah. all these albums. I mean, even the worst Radiohead album is better than most. That's very true. And thank you Maybe guys as listeners for sitting through this with us. Thank you again to our Patreon members who are with us every single episode. Ben Haywood, Jocelyn Harris, uh, Shauna Pear. Also, yeah. shout out to Shauna Pear. Shauna, girl, I was thinking about your question that you hit us with a couple of episodes ago is the first album you listen to by a band usually your favorite do you remember that question yep. that she oh, gave us yeah i've been thinking about that too me too i was thinking about it a lot this episode because it just pertains so heavily to what we're discussing yeah. yeah so thanks everyone thanks ben haywood ben sorry about your list brother <laughs> we love you um please still text me <laughs> and please still be in a band with cam yes please do that 
Uh, all right. Well, I guess that's it. That's and, the radio. And, I just, and while we're here at the end, I just want to go ahead and thank our sultry voiced oh. post punk king of Los Angeles. And thank host. you. I am worn out. I've talked about Radiohead longer today than than ever. I, and you listened to great. me. You didn't scream at me. I was the one who started screaming. Yeah, because I took the calm approach and you lost it. It was cool. Fuck. It was, we would make a really strange married couple. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, this I'm already fun, married dude. to an amnesiac girl. So <laughs> yeah, that's my girl, Jess. If you're listening, you my girl, girl. <laughs> and whenever you decide to leave Cam's loser kid ass, you know where to find me, bunny. <laughs> okay, that's the end game. <laughs> All right, well, that's it. That was that's fun it for the Go Parade. All right, Go Parade out.